On the floor, and we're gonna bring you back a victory to Jackson. Yeah. Got the yard. What? What you say, Nacha? <laughs> hey, you a plump fool, man. <laughs> you you a plump fool, Chuck? You a plump fool? That's right. It's the uh, ONG Strike Zone here on a Wednesday evening. Uh, just three. Rattlers on the mic, and when we rocking on the mic, we rock the mic, right? <laughs> uh, Brian Fulford, Marcus Green, Kelvin Rozier. Uh, it is Florida Classic Week, baby, and right. uh, it, it's time to it's time to skin some cats. Uh, gotta go. Yeah. We got payback. We still got here, kitty, kitty, kitty. <laughs> the big kitty, kitty, kitty. Wow. wow, rats. Wild rats, exactly. I love it. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Uh, how you brothers doing this evening, Marcus? How you doing tonight? How's your week and your weekend been? Oh, it's been really good. You know, I'm excited about the the prospects of this weekend for the football team and the volleyball team, and you know, just looking forward to tonight and looking forward to Saturday. True that. True indeed. Kelvin, how about you? How's your How's your night? How's your your day been? Your week? Your weekend? Feeling blessed, man. Lovely, man. I'm a rattler, so I'm, I'm, every day is, is is terrific, man. I'm feeling great. <laughs> hey, look. Thank God we are where we are because even when even when times are tough in your own personal life, you you look around the the SWAT universe. Or the HBCU diaspora, as my good friend Dr. Gaville likes to call it. There's drama, chaos, firings, dismissals, you know, just all kinds of just messiness going on. And then you kind of look at us and you're like, I remember those days. I remember those <laughs> days. <laughs> I, yeah. You know, I mean, look, like, you know, like, woo. Like, whoa, exactly. It, it ain't man. us this, this time. <laughs> it ain't us this time. Exactly, man. So uh it it is good to be a, a rattler, especially going into this weekend. As you said, uh, a lot of stuff going on. Football games going well, uh going going down this weekend in, in my home, my hometown of Orlando for I gotta call it my hometown because I, I think I have officially lived here in Orlando more than any one city my entire life. So this is officially my home, hometown, I guess. Um, you know, and and then our volleyball team is going out for the three-peat to, uh, to Prairie View. And, uh, you know, we got to see the basketball team come back from the road and get back into the state of Florida. And I, I'm encouraged. Uh, so we got, you know, we, we've seen good news from the cheerleading program, getting some big money donations and setting themselves. I mean, just all kinds of positive news. So uh, don't don't get sucked in by some of them other folks out there 
you know, we we know you got a lot of choices on a on a Wednesday night and just in general. So we appreciate everybody coming in and chatting with us uh, and being prepared to uh, roll with us tonight. We'd like to encourage everybody, as always, to make sure that you are following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ONG Strike Zone. Uh, that's also our YouTube page where, uh, just in case you happen to miss the live show here on the Jericho Broadcast Network's YouTube page, you can always find it on our own personal page. And we'd appreciate it if you go on and share the show with a couple of Rattlers, a couple of friends, a couple of family members, and you know, let them know we're still trying to build this thing up. So, uh, you know, we we appreciate you, folks. Folks jumped in into the chats early, man. Really? I know, man. You know, uh, I don't know about these Wildcats that jumped in. I don't know what they thought was going to happen. You know, uh, you know, a couple guys jumped in there, but uh, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. A couple wild, couple Wildcats jumped in early. Uh, you know, Bobby, Bobby Jackson. You know, I don't know what that's all about, and. You know, HBCU band talk, he always comes to the show. But, uh, man, I tell you, y'all, and then they just they just got hammered from the get-go. You know, from the jump seat, Bull comes in, <laughs> sit down, Kit Kat. Just, just start hammering people just as we should. We appreciate you, Bull, stepping in there. Kenneth Rose, you're coming in there as well. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. Uh, Jimmy Mack, uh, you know, already just, just, just letting folks know, you know, uh, Jimmy Mack said he got some AutoZone gift cards, uh, you know, so help y'all purchase some more breaks after Saturday. <laughs> so, <laughs> nice. That's a nice shot across the bow. Uh, good to see Coach Ferrasi. Good to see you. Uh, Langston Lion, brother, coming in and showing some love for the orange and green. There is uh, Meredith. I want everybody on the show tonight. Let's see if we can get something trending on Twitter. I've I've always wanted to do this. So on Twitter or X, you know, those of you from X, just, just type in hashtag beat BCU. Let's see if we can get that trending on Twitter tonight. Go ahead. If, if you want to quote tweet the uh, broadcast of the show, you could do that and then put hashtag beat BCU. Let's see if we can get that trending by nine o'clock. Hashtag BBCU. Let's just see how that works out tonight. Melissa Wilson. Yeah. Good to see you, Melissa. Mary305, always enjoy. Hey, Thanks for coming in, as always. Uh, B Starks, appreciate you coming in. Always appreciate your support and love of the program and everything we're doing in the Black College Sports Network. Uh, Marcus, appreciate you and your support. Marcus. Good to see you. Looking forward to mess me up every week when y'all do that. Marcus. <laughs> Marcus. Uh, Tony, good to see you, man. Yeah. The high checking in. Ashton Harris, good to see you, Ashton. Happy birthday, my brother. I think you had a birthday last week or this past weekend, if I'm not mistaken. My Scorpio brother. Yeah, so happy birthday, Ashton, to you. My, hey, uh, by, by the way, my, mine is Saturday, game day. That's my birthday. I want to celebrate now. Don't make me mad on my birthday. Look, I was going to mention that. I was going to mention that. (laughs) Yes, Kelvin's birthday is coming up on Saturday on game day. So, uh, you know, uh, we'll make sure to celebrate and do that right. Tremaine Ellis, appreciate you coming in, Rattler. M-M-A-C-Web, M-M-A-C-Web, strike, strike, strike again. Yes, indeed. 
as always. Love to see you. Tamara T, glad you made it in. Thank you for coming in. Uh, let's see. Kenneth Rozier checking in. I don't know if I shout out Kenneth already. I may have. I don't know. Uh, Mr. Campbell checks in. Steve Campbell checking in. Appreciate you coming in. Kylan Chavis, let's go. Good to see you. Thanks for coming in early. Appreciate you. Montre Bennett, look forward to seeing y'all on Saturday as well. Make sure you got to – I noticed on the ticket thing, they already opened up the terrace section for – for uh, so so the the couple of wins on that – Oh, that was on the FAMU side? I was going to say, I was wondering what side they, that they, was. They, they, they had to do it on the FAMU side because FAMU people didn't want to see on the, sit on Bethune's side. So they had opened I, up hey, the terrace for us. That, that's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, Miss Joanne, thanks for checking in from Cali. Appreciate you coming in where it's uh, late afternoon on the west side of the country. So we appreciate you checking in. Hell, Chuck, uh, the, the hell Wildcats. <laughs> Chuck Hunt checking in from Monroe, Louisiana. Chuck, always good to always good to see you. We appreciate you. Uh our good our good friend Keith, Fangs Up Podcast, checking in. What's up, Keith? Mm-hmm. Good to see you in there. Uh let's see. Yes, Don. Exactly. Get it going. Get it going wherever you can. Hashtag BCU. Appreciate you, Don. Let's get it going to today. Robert Vickers. Uh I don't know. Is that Rattler's Petty? I don't know. Rattler's Petty Week. Okay. Yeah. We're going to be petty. That's right. That's us. We're going to do what we do. Uh, Montre, shout out to all the Scorpions. 11-13. Son of, uh, okay. And it's okay. Yeah. Scorpio's in the house. I don't, sure? anything about all, I don't know anything about all those. I know if you ain't a tourist, you get, get run over. So that's, that's all I know. <laughs> I don't know about it. I couldn't even try to figure out all the rest of those signs i just know what i am and that's it you know still trying to figure out what the good compatible match is but anyway that's another that's another show another topic uh keith brown um let's see got some info on some uh famu merch being sold at sam's on the treasure coast that's right hey sam's is actually on i think tallahassee sam's always is selling some stuff so sam's club is on point mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. good place yeah uh the Bayou Classic next week. Chuck says his birthday is next week on the Bayou Classic. So, um, hey, I'm I'm with you on this one. I I call it BCC. I try to be politically correct when I'm doing, you know, public appearances on other shows, but I still think of it as BCC. Keith. So, I'm sorry. I'm I just I just I just like that. What up? Just call it messy, whatever you want to call it. Okay. Um. Let's get going here. Uh, coming up at the bottom half of the hour, got a good friend of the program joining us, Brad Gillins. He hasn't uh, been on in a in a while, but we try to get Brad in at least once a year. You know, I, I stumbled across an old episode from first year we had Brad on the show, all the way back on episode 12, season one. Uh, we had, yeah, exactly. Had, uh, had Brad on. Obviously, Brad's a South Carolina State alum. Um, former SI assistant SID at FAM and uh, does some writing covering the Wildcats. So we got a lot of things that we can talk to Brad about. So it's, it's good to have him on the show. Uh, our girl Liv jumped in. Good to see Liv jumped in. Make What's sure up, you guys Liv? are 
checking out Live for Hoops on YouTube and following her. Great follow. Um, Liv, go ahead. I know you were you were you were live tweeting and following the Bethune women's game. I saw that it was like 65 up. I don't know. Did they win that they game? Won. They mm-hmm. didn't win. I, I, th- I, you know, I think she posted they won by two they in overtime. Two. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, you know, we we'll we'll get into talking about uh these early weeks for the HBCU. Some are doing well, some yeah, some some not so well. So, but anyway, um we we're gonna keep it positive as much as we can on the show. Wanna remind everybody, go ahead and donate to the Rattler Athletic Fund while you can. You know, find a way to to donate. I don't know. Do we got anything we wanna we wanna encourage people to donate to? In terms of the athletic fund, anything we want to push out there? You guys can think of anything? The women's sports. I mean, they've been carrying us. They've been winning the last three, four years. You mm-hmm. know, softball, tennis, volleyball. So mm-hmm. let, let's show the women's sports some love. I know, you know, we've already done some things and some other support organizations have done so. But let, let's reward these ladies for the excellent job and how they represent in our university. And I always say, even a small amount goes a long way, whether it be 20 bucks, 25 bucks, every small, every donation helps. So, you know, I, I figure, you know, with a hundred or so people watching our show, you know, heck man, dropping, dropping 20 bucks into the fund from a hundred folks, uh, shoot, that would help cover that $2,000 fine or, or, uh, not the two thousand dollar fine, but the two thousand dollar fee that we lost out on, uh, you know, from the foundation for the uh, for the for the women's athletic initiative that the uh, two twenty club was was uh, was pushing. Uh, you guys heard about that, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. Interesting. So, but okay. So let's get into it. Last Saturday or this past Saturday, fam, you gets a twenty eight to nothing win over Lincoln of California. Uh, QB2 got in the ball game. So for those of you who were itching and wanting to know what it what it would look like, well, you got your wish. Um, label me as not impressed. Label me as a little disappointed in just the overall performance. And yes, I know there were uh, 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 several missed opportunities in the first half. You know, um, what was we only scored 21 in the first half, but probably should have had 35. Uh, I, I do admit that we should have had 35. You know, I, I just I think when you go and look at the numbers, uh, and 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 the numbers were. I, I don't even have it pulled up, but I think it was like eight of eighteen. Yeah, uh, eight of eighteen, and you know, I, I, I just uh, just the overall the fact that we got twenty eight points, and yeah, there were there were opportunities when we could have had more. I mean, we, you know, should have had forty, probably could have had fifty, but again, I tried to I tried to temper people's expectations. That's not who we are. We're not that team that comes out and and hits a mosquito. Uh, with an axe. Uh, we we um, just we just you. I just don't. We that's not what we do. We, yeah, we, it was it, it it was a little more nuanced than that, though. You know, 
we we said a lot of people. Uh, and, and one, and, you know, the center, the backup centers didn't do a very good job of uh, getting the job. ball back to the quarterback. Horrible and I'm talking job. about the entire game. Yes. They, they made yeah. it very difficult. Yes. They, threw the time I, and, I would... they, threw, they threw the timing off a lot. Then you had some, some missed opportunities in terms of either drops or, you know, catching the ball, not getting no toes in. Um, so, you know, when I, I look at it in totality, this time of season – Man, how many upsets it was last week? It was quite a few. Uh, yeah, there was quite a few. So, there was quite a few so, upsets. So November, a lot of times what you hear folks talk about when survive and, and keep moving, right? Win. So, you know, we didn't try to do a whole lot um this game, and we shouldn't have tried to do a whole lot. You know, we missed on some opportunities. I was glad to see Leland Wilhort get some 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 his first career touchdown and some opportunities along with some of the other guys. And, um, you know, I, I'm not – this particular time, I'm not too critical in terms of the performance. You know, the important thing for me is that, you know, those folks got reps, particularly the backup quarterback and so forth, get some live game action. Um, now, in terms of the opponent and playing that opponent, I'm going to be a little more critical when we get to that point. I, I will say this. The, the one play – that bothered me, and and you guys tell me if you saw this, you recognize this, okay? And this is probably the play in which Junior Muratovic, in his his last play, his last possession, scrambles to the left towards the sideline. He's he's standing in bounds, and I don't know whether he was waiting or trying to find somebody or throw to somebody, but he was he looking downfield and forgot. <laughs> exactly. He forgot. And he got his clock clean. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you what, what bothered me more than anything in the world is that I didn't see a damn offensive lineman rush to pick him up, rush to jack that dude up who ran him out of bounds. It was a clean hit. I just didn't like the message that it sent that, yo, you came and cleaned our quarterback's clock and did nobody help him up. Nobody ran over there to pick him up. Now, I, was that before say, or after the fight, though? I don't know when the fight because I'm watching. I was watching the highlights to be honest. I don't know okay. when the fight happened. I can't. I, I can't remember happened. if the fight happened before then, and they probably looked trigger shy and trying to because there was but, some but, already some personal still, files it, out there. It, it's it's that thing that that coach. It, it's okay. I'm gonna relate it in basketball. Basketball terms. When we have a guy hit the floor. I am triggered when I don't see my entire team rush to help the teammate up off the ground. Uh, Tremaine, Tremaine Ellis said it was after the fight. Okay. Oh, so okay. <laughs> I, I get I get the discipline part of not wanting to go get that guy on the sideline. I get that. But nobody went to go help him up. Nobody went to go help him up. Um, and and that, that bothers me because if, if that guy becomes your QB1 for whatever reason, then I think there's got to be some level of respect for your quarterback. If the second team is in there with the second team quarterback, I want to see, I want to see the offensive lineman go pick pick him up. And I and I always say when I watch games and I watch, you know, and, I, and you you can watch whether college or pro. When when a team is bad, people don't you look the offensive lineman. They don't pick up the quarterback. They they you know it's just little things like that that to me. I think matters. Maybe I'm making a, a lot out of nothing. I probably am, like I do a lot. 
But that's just one little thing that I look at. That's just one little thing that I look at and say, hmm, y'all, y'all, y'all don't love Muratovic? Y'all, y'all ain't got no love for seven. <laughs> I don't have love for Junior. Yeah, you know yeah, you going I mean, on? You going on one of your rants, man? Okay. No, I, okay. I'll step I think away. Take, I'll step away. I think he's taking it a little too far there. Now, I, I might what, be. I, I might do, be. I do believe that it was a clean hit in, in the sense that yes, he didn't step his step out of bounds. But I don't know if it's clean hitting in, in terms of targeting because he definitely launched and he not. I mean, he knocked the heck out of him. So, and that so, went to Corey came in the next series, um, and you know we didn't see Junior anymore after that after that play. So, but anyway, yeah. I, like I said, I'm, I'm making a I, that's just me. That's that's a little thing that I see. So I mean, if I'm if yeah. I'm nitpicking about all if, the stuff that happened in the game, if if, that, if if it's my starter, I'm with you, Brian. If it's my starter, my starting line, and not my old start starting old line in there, then that's a different story. But in that particular situation, I don't, you know, I, I give a little grace. Okay. Uh, in terms of running the ball, Terrell Jennings, uh, eight carries, fifty-three yards. Something that's not being talked about, and I, I got to do the stats here. I'll probably do it after, but the Terrell Jennings might be in the, you know, he started the season. We talked about this on our pre, uh, our preseason show. He was in the top thirty in terms of all-time career rushers, he may be in the top 20 now. I knew he hit the he hit the top 25 after maybe week four. But, you know, if you go and he, he's our leading rusher on the season, if I'm not mistaken, uh, he might be over into the top 20 career rushing yards. Um, so I'll take a look at that. Any any other any other numbers or stats or anything that you guys care to speak on or talk about as it relates to this Lincoln game? Um, uh, one thing I was kind of disappointed in, I mean, even though we did have reserves playing, it didn't seem like and maybe it's a, a testament to the reserves being in, but we still had a lot of penalties. And I was like, are you joking me? And I know at least one took away TD and there are a couple that were yep. seemingly by the 10th, 11th game, you would hope that it would be cleaned up. And I know there's some characteristics of the team that we've just seen consistently penalties. Sometimes they, depending on the opponent, they can either come out fired up or come out a little complacent. So, and coach Simmons even alluded to that, I think last week, because, you know, this is the way the team is, you know, they'll see an opponent they might evaluate them from afar and say, okay, yeah, we got this. And then, or other people they might get fired up for, but I was a little disappointed. And like you, I was kind of disappointed in the score. I thought we would, even though we started the second string folks, some of them, especially on offense, I was expecting to see some like our third or fourth string QBs be able to get some, get some run from us having been up by four or five touchdowns. Or five or six touchdowns. Kevin Sawyer. They they talking about the freshman running back who came in in a late third or the fourth. He yeah, Kevin, Kevin Sawyer is his name. Uh, mm -hmm. yeah, he he did look good and and had some burst to him. But he's Sawyer, not a freshman. Yeah, he's not a freshman though. Let me see who they're talking about. Kevin Sawyer is a redshirt senior. Mm -hmm. um, and he's, I think he's from Florida High. Yeah, he he's he's from. Um, 
He's from the area. Um, I wonder if he's referring to. No, they're talking about Kevin Sawyer. As he came in, I think he's number 43 or something like that. Yeah, he came, he came in out. Yeah. He came in late. Well, I don't. Okay. So I don't and know. He actually, I think he scored. About. He had a go- couple good plays in spring practice. I can't remember if it was the actual the orange and green game or another practice that we happen to see film on, but he broke a couple of runs even then. Uh, again, I'm, I'm, you know, I see your point, EA. EA saying, uh, let me hold on. I'm going to put it up here. Um, EA saying, any QB coach will tell you deserve to get hit like that to stop, hold the ball with defenders pursuing on the sideline. That's a yellow shirt practice move, not using. I, I get all that. But I'm going to go back to, I bet you anything, as an offensive lineman, I want my offensive lineman to go pick my quarterback up. I don't want, you know, again, I, 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 that's the, it's, it's, it's the visual of that's your teammate. That's your brother. That's your guy. Get him off the ground. You know, I, I don't care if you got to bump a guy to get through him. And and I've heard, you know, again, the offensive line, the first team offensive line would do that for junior Muratovic. I would hope the second and third team line would do that for junior, uh, for junior. That's all I'm saying. Offensive lineman, if your quarterback gets dusted, whether it's his fault or not, pick his ass up off the ground, get to him quickly, make sure he's okay. I didn't see a doggone person go check on him. That's what I'm saying. So I'm done. I'm done. I I will say this, though, regarding (laughs) Lincoln. Regarding Lincoln. Okay. <laughs> the train, the train, you're funny, Tremaine. You got hit so hey, hard. Hey, it was Yeah, yeah. It, it was not, hey, he, he got not to the sideline and it was yeah. pulled down. So they they yeah. were already on the sidelines, you know? <laughs> I, I just think about what, uh, again, Texas Southern beat this team 52 to 7. Southern beat this team 45-18. What's their record? Uh, Tennessee State beat them. Do they have a coach? 54 to nothing. <laughs> I guess they got a coach. Hey, I hey, guess they got a hey, coach. You all those, uh, hey, man, you 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 killing your point with all that, man. You how am I killing my point with all that? How am I killing my Cause, point? Because it don't matter what them teams did. They're not Swag oh. East champions. Not, not win. See, funny how y'all changed it. Y'all changed the narrative. A win's a win now. You know, y'all wanted y'all wanted points in production. I, I, no, I just think you're beating it. Man, man, I mean, it's a, it was a garbage game. That she even shouldn't have been on the schedule. You making too much of it. <laughs> okay. We still ranked number seven in the coaches' poll, man. We didn't get beat we, fifty to we, twenty we, by Howard. We, we moved up to seven. <laughs> yeah, we moved up to seven. <laughs> I'm yeah. just saying. We 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 moved up to seven. Uh, all right, uh, other scores around the league. Uh, as you can see, starting from Friday to Sunday, uh, Grambling got a win. Bethune, I was just watching the highlights of the Bethune game, just in case anyone didn't know. But Bethune is down 14 to 10 with about seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And then, like, really? the, the Alabama AM wheels just fell off. <laughs> I mean, three touchdowns in literally a seven minute span for Bethune. And they end up coming away with a victory. You know, who knows? They, they just send, with all these recent hirings, they just sent Bulldog Nation into a triggered state where they're watching other people. You know, hell, Southern, as you can see, Prairie View beat Southern 27-21. 
Southern didn't score in the second half. I don't think they got a first down in the second half. It cost Eric Dooley his job. Uh, did you and did you hear what the uh, what the AD said? Some of the reasoning behind it was. No, I hadn't read it. I saw some. Uh, I saw I a clip, it. but I don't know how true it was. Like he didn't engage the fans about how they're going to improve or something like that. Hey, one of the things I said on Sunday, and I've listened to a lot of these SWAC press conference. Eric Dooley is the most one of the most dismissive coaches about what happened, and he mm. don't talk about, won't talk about. I mean, your team looked like straight mud on a stick, and there's no, again, there's no, you know, oh, I've got, we've got to do better. I got to do better. I got to do a play, better play calling. Adjustment. Just, right. you know, I got to make some adjustments, and it's just, oh, that's how the game flows. And, it, you know, we, we got to, you know, it, it, it just the level of accountability was absolute none, zero, zilch. And I think after hearing it for, you hell, hell, let's see. You lost to Jackson State. Uh, you lost to who else did you lose to? Prairie View. You lost to FAMU. I mean, you could you could run clips, and I'm sure somebody is going to just run clips on all the stuff that Eric Dewey said following those losses. It'll sound the same. And so, you know, I think people just got tired of it, man. And they they cut bait after the two and a half year mark. Uh, it ain't even a, a half year. year. Yeah, yeah, well, four year contract. Yeah. He just he he's just finishing this would have been his second full season mm-hmm. uh, now. So he didn't even get two years. And Brian, I hear you and, and so forth, but as a former administrator and just being fair and reasonable, you know, when you, sometimes you evaluate wrong or you know it ain't fit, but in this case he had been there. He did go to, regardless how he got there, he did go to the sweat championship game last year. So I I think, you know, you got to get a man three years. Because potentially, because potentially you don't, because potentially you don't throw the program back another two more years now. Yeah, well, I think that's why they cut when they did, is they realized that let's do it now while we can get ahead. We can be the first on the block for any new coaching candidates. Good luck with that, man. Yeah, I, exactly. You don't, you, you don't fire your way. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say this. You don't fire your way into success. No. You have to but you invest. Do, when you no, 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 listen. You have to invest in to, to have success, right? Everything is not the coach. There's a whole lot of things that happen prior to game day and on game day that impacts winning, nutrition, support systems, um uh emissions compliance i mean so starting, starting quarterback play calling strategy the man, the man mean, went to the championship game. last year he went okay. to, did he not go to the championship last year year did 1 did he win it he went there how many did teams he go there did he win it you 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 speaking like a fan I know I'm speaking like somebody who who gotta, recognizes gotta, I have a proud your, I have a proud program and I got a fan base that's well, on got my a proud ad. program then compete with championships is part of it. Eh. It's one thing if you're not competing. But you're gonna have a bad year sometimes. A coach may have a bad year sometimes. Last year was not a bad year for them. He was ahead of schedule, remember? Mm-hmm. At least that's what they said. That's what they say. And and look, for, for Roman Banks, the AD over there, that, that's the issue because, yeah, you got rid of – I don't think they should have got rid of Dawson Odoms, but they did. 
And maybe they shouldn't have got rid of this coach, but they did. And so now you got to get it right. That's the hard part. Well, well, no, Um, the hard part is uh, you you decided to go in that direction two years ago in in spite of the fan base. Yeah. You let you let a retired head coach push you and his and his supporters push you into making higher. That ain't Dooley's fault. I'm just no. saying, if Dooley got to go, the person who hired him should have to go too. I trust me that, that he, <laughs> hey, he may not be far far behind. Uh, listen to they, some people that I've listened to in Southern. Uh, hey, let's let's take a break. There's those other scores. We'll talk about those other scores, especially that last game there that happened on Sunday. Woo, bloody, bloody massacre in Texas. We'll, <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that and more coming up on the other side. Brad Gillins is going to join us. So we're going to get into talking about what's happening over at South Carolina State. But we're also going to get into talking about this Bethune team and find out uh, this little bit of magic that they got. that They kind of pulled out of a bottle over the last couple of weeks. We'll find out how real it is on the other side. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone. We'll be back in a moment right here on the Black College Sports Network. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids' apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCUPrideJoy on Facebook and Twitter. This is Ryan Fulford. A.D. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. I'm returning to Clinton, Paris, and Tampa's my community. I grew up here, went to school here, and my wife and I make our home here. What makes Tampa special are its people. So when I represent someone injured in my community, it's personal. Call my office and speak to a real lawyer and not some referral service. I will fight the insurance companies to get the settlement that you deserve. At the law office of Clinton Paris, we take the pain out of being hurt. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Brian Marcus, Kelvin, and joining us, as you can see, a South Carolina State <laughs> alum, but he covers the Wildcats. You notice he got look, – look what he got on, Kelvin. He made sure to wear that South Carolina State gear. Ladies and gentlemen, Brad Gillins. Brad, 
good to see you this evening. Thanks for joining us, brother. Hey, thank you guys for having me, man. Always a pleasure to join the Orange and Green Strike Zone and uh, come up with some, uh, come on with some guys that that love HBCU football, particularly FAMU football, and and get to chop it up this time of year. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Appreciate you coming on. All right, before we get into talking about uh, Bethune and the magic that they've been. Uh, that they found in the little bottle uh, somewhere on the side <laughs> of the road. Uh, let's talk about your alma mater, South Carolina State, former uh, – well, I'd still call them a rival. I mean, we, we play South Carolina State coming up in the next two years. Uh, but uh, this year, been an interesting one, to say the least. The last ride for Buddy Pugh, uh, I, I don't know – I don't know when or how this team chooses to – celebrate him uh you know they've had bad performances on national tv then they have a homecoming game and they look great then they they, they knock off howard and then they come back the next week and i, I don't own the last game for buddy at south carolina state and, and who is this team brad and 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 how what happened how, how did it get like this We're so so inconsistent this year yeah, I mean, it's a, a relatively young team, particularly on the on the offensive side of the ball. So, you know, to lose, um, you know, one of the best wide receivers, arguably in, in HBCU football, and Shaquan Davis to the NFL. Um, you know, you had a lot of guys that were coming in that they were asking to do some things that they normally um, wouldn't have been accustomed to doing. They weren't, you know, because Shaq took so much uh, demanded so much uh, attention. It uh, gave them a lot of one-on-one -on -one coverages, uh, you know, with with other defensive backs where they could, you know, kind of get open um, and, and make some things happen. Not having that uh, that weapon or that safety valve, as you, uh, if you will, um, allowed for defenses to be able to, you know, kind of play uh, South Carolina State a little more straight up uh, and, and force them to be uh, more balanced uh, than they have been uh, in some years. Um, that being said, they were able to find some success in the running game, particularly in the, the North Carolina Central game. I know the score wasn't indicative of, you know, the way that they were able to successfully run the football. Uh, but uh, freshman Jawan Howell is, uh, is having a fantastic year. Uh, he's the running back that uh, rushed for over 200, uh, rushed for 284 yards and three touchdowns in the homecoming victory over Howard. Um was was held out of the Morgan State game. Uh, started to develop some 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 uh, some some symptoms of an injury in pregame warmups. Um, prior right prior to the game, they didn't want to take a chance on on you know kind of getting him hurt. So they held him out, and you know as a result, you were able to see uh, what transpired in the in the Morgan State game. So this team has really kind of been. Uh, they operated as kind of a Jekyll and Hyde uh, this year. Um, defense has, has um, they've been they've been solid. Uh, they haven't been uh, as they're not the championship defense that we're used to seeing, you know, in, in the Garden City of Orangeburg. But you know, all of that to be all of that said, um, you know, it was really this year was really kind of a, a coronation of of you know coach pew and and all of the success he's had over his 22 years at the helm um at south carolina state uh kelvin go ahead i i don't know if you want to get asked brad the, hey, the next I, I, I'm, I'm gonna get him about south carolina state go ahead hey well 
One thing I know you didn't mention, Brad, was your six-year senior quarterback, uh, Corey Fields. Uh, you know, he should have he should have been more consistent. He should have looked better this year. Uh, and that was part of your problem, too. That being said, and I, you can respond to that while, while answering this question. So where are we with the AD search? Where are we with the um, the um, coaching search? So what what all nation talking about? Yeah, so as it stands right now, uh, head football coach Oliver Buddy Pugh is actually kind of playing double duty, if you will. Um, the interim athletics director, Keisha Campbell, who had done a remarkable job uh, in kind of stabilizing things and, and, and really doing some wonderful things at the university over the last uh, several years, uh, decided to you know step away um, literally the week before homecoming. Um, Coach Pugh then was inserted as the interim AD as the as the national search is, is, is performed to find a permanent AD. Um, what I can tell you is not a job that he uh, wants to take on permanently. Um, his wife has uh, basically told him you're coming home. So uh, <laughs> I guess after being being there for over 20 plus years, I think she's ready to have some time with him. Uh, he has he has grandchildren, so he wants to be pop pop and and be able to be home and spend some time with them. Um, but with that with that being said, you know the, the search is on for a permanent AD as well as a a permanent football coach. Um, you know one of the great things about um, what is what has happened over the past uh, year, if you will, is you know Coach Pugh announced at the beginning of the season that he was this was going to be his final year, so. You know, coaches knew there was going to be an open vacancy. Um, you know, it gave the uh, administration uh, who was there, as well as the president, who was going to be heavily involved in the search process uh, and the decision-making process, an opportunity to be able to take a look around the college football landscape and determine, you know, who they want to target and who they want to go after, uh, and really kind of put together a a, a good concerted effort on uh, determining who that next coach. Uh, for South Carolina State is going to be. I mean, it's it's been we've had three coaches in 45 years, and so um, as as Coach Pugh alluded to in one of his press conferences uh, just a couple of weeks ago, you can liken South Carolina State to uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers of the NFL, in, in that you know it's not a job where we're looking to uh, have somebody come in and and hit lightning in a bottle and be there for two to three years and then move on. You know, when we hire a coach, it's really something where we want to take a look at, you know, who wants to come in, uh, you know, kind of continue the legacy of at which, you know, Coach Jeffries, Bill Davis and now Coach Pugh have been able to, you know, uh, solidify in, in not only uh, HBCU and, and black college football, but in FCS football as a whole. So it's definitely going to be something where, you know, they want to to be very uh, intentional uh, about you know who who they're looking at and and what their intentions are and and kind of you know what they can bring to the university uh, as far as you know fundraising and and you know being able to be an ambassador and a steward for the university and for the athletics department at large you know college football landscape is changing drastically from 22 years ago when buddy took over at the helm with you know nil and merchandising deals and you know the you know programs like these uh, that we didn't have in 2000, where we can come on and we can talk about, you know, kind of the state of the university, the athletics department, kind of hold feet to the fire and, and talk about, you know, the highs and lows, the ups and downs and all of those good things. So some significant strides have been made 
Um, so we're looking for a coach who's going to be innovative and be able to, uh, you know, adapt to all of the changes that have been made over the college football landscape over the past 20 years. And then also be able to have the, the foresight uh, and the vision to be able to take South Carolina State Athletics to the next level for the next 20 years to come. So do you think Shinnis Berry, a name that has been rumored about uh, for quite some time over the last month or two, and mm-hmm. uh, in, in all the HBCU diaspora, and then all of a sudden the Southern job opens up, mm-hmm. and now he's the hot name for that job mm-hmm. you know, just out, out in public. Do you feel like he would be a good fit? Or, and I'm going to give you one other name, Teddy Keaton, who also – uh, in Charleston, South Carolina, has mm-hmm. done a great job building the Allen program. Do you think either of those two are good candidates, would be a good candidate? And if not, you got a third candidate or somebody that you would throw out there. So I'll start with uh, the elephant in the room, um, just because it's been bandied about uh, for several months now. And it looked like for quite a while until literally this week, um, Barry was definitely... Uh, one of the, the the heavy favorites to to move on from from Benedict and and you know definitely uh, put his hat in the uh, the ring for the South Carolina State job. Um, I don't have any concrete evidence. This is pure conjecture and speculation on my part, but I, I know that there's been some interest that has been expressed from what I've heard um, by both parties. Um, but you know. Uh, with with the firing of, of Coach Dooley just yesterday and, and the fact that, uh, you know, Barry was on Southern staff for seven years as a, an assistant head coach and offensive coordinator before going to Benedict and, uh, you know, um, manufa- manufacturing t- uh, two uh, undefeated regular seasons, two SIAC championships, two number one seeds in the Division II playoffs, uh, and really turning that program around. And, and with the um, – you know, with the assistance and the support of the AD and, and you know, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Rosalars Clark, um, he's really been able to uh, bring back uh, Tiger football uh, in, in Columbia in a way uh, that hasn't been seen in, in a very, very long time. Um, from just, I mean, just being completely honest, I mean, we're, we're in this business uh, to win football games. Our coaches are in the business to win football games, but they're also in it uh, for financial reasons as well. And, you know, to be able to uh, give themselves an opportunity to be able to set their families up, you know, with some some generational wealth, if you will. That being said, you know, Southern and South Carolina states and the FCS programs uh, alike that may be knocking on his door uh, will definitely be able to offer more in terms of salary and coaches pools and the like. Um, that he may be receiving at Benedict. So I think it's a matter, if we're talking specifically uh, South Carolina State versus Southern, it's really just personal preference. So it's it's one of those things where do you want to uproot your family all over again? Um, you just did it two years ago, having to move from Louisiana, you know, to South Carolina, um, you know, made inroads with high school coaches and, and, you know, all of those good things. Is that something you want to leave? Uh, or is it something that you want to stick around for take those relationships that you've built, move on to, you know, South Carolina State and, and see what can happen there? Uh, or do you know, I mean, uh, we, we've seen it and then I think you guys have firsthand knowledge. There's no place like home. 
And so, you know, when you guys were in the where you guys were uh, in the market for a head football coach just several years ago, um, it was uh, Willie Simmons was was leaving Prairie View and, and uh, decided he wanted to come back to Tallahassee. Uh, one, because it was a, a dream deferred, if you will. Uh, and I'm sure you guys know the, the story of him supposedly transferring from Clemson. But that was the transition year from FCS to Division One. Um, and we don't have to go back through that. I can tell by the pain on your face, Dr. Mm. B, that you don't want to have that conversation. <laughs> but, you know, he was able to come back, uh, you know, as, as a head football coach and is, has done some fantastic things. I mean, he's, you know, won an average of, you know, eight plus games a year since he's been there. Um, so it, it really just depends on, on, you know, what Barry wants to do right now. He's the bell of the ball and the world's kind of his oyster. Uh, so we'll see, you know, where he goes and, and what he decides. I think either way, South Carolina State is uh, one of the preeminent black college football programs in the country. And so if if Barry is not uh, if he decides to take the route to go back to Southern, then I think there are some other names um, that I'm hearing that I, I uh, wish to keep close to the vest right now, if you will. Um, <laughs> uh, we started a pot on this show, Brad. You know that <laughs> <laughs> nobody's listening or watching. Come on, but yeah, we'll 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 see what we'll see what transpires. I think what I can say is that whomever they hire, um, I think they've done a, a good enough job in the search that whomever it is, they'll they'll come in and they'll understand. The significance of what it means to be the coach at South Carolina State, and they'll they'll bring their best effort. All right, all right. Well, Marcus, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. What do you got? What do you got for Brad? Well, he pretty much answered all the questions I was going to ask well, from a South Carolina State perspective. And I was wondering, I guess you know you can't give out names, but in terms of fit, because I know uh, Chinsbury has done a great job at Benedict. But just because he has a, a knockout record at one school doesn't mean he's necessarily a fit for South Carolina State. From, I guess, the analogy of using the Pittsburgh Steelers in the NFL, who, what coach, either someone named or someone that we hadn't considered, would be the best fit for the culture of South Carolina State? And I guess tied to that, I guess the attractiveness of the job. As I know, a couple of years ago, there were some but I guess before you hired the permanent president, there was some shaky footing in South Carolina State. But I've seen articles where improved enrollments improved and things of that nature. And how much more or how much better of a footing or perception is the job now that there's a little bit more stability versus if it, if it had been a couple of years ago? Yeah, well, even though I, I don't despite think, the AD, I mean, interim yeah, AD I, resigning. Yeah, I mean, based, I mean, even even with, you know, um, everything that was going on from from an institutional level uh, that never had any bearing on um, the prestige of of the 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 football team or the the athletics department as a whole. Um, that being said, um, you know uh, Colonel Alexander Con retired Colonel Alexander Conyers, who's the president of South Carolina State, has come in and he's done a remarkable job of engaging the community, uh, the alum. Um, I think homecoming this year was one of the most well attended that we've had within the last, uh, you know, 15 years or so. Um, and just to and, not and, to age myself. And, and you weren't talking like this at, at homecoming. I saw the pictures. 
<laughs> not to not to end. <laughs> you petty, man. You petty. <laughs> not to not to age myself, but I celebrated my 20th anniversary uh graduating from college uh just this this couple weekends ago. So um it it was it was really really an exciting time uh, it's an exciting time in bulldog country right now there are a lot of really good things going on enrollments on the you know enrollments on the upswing um people are excited about what's going on in orangeburg and i think um you know with this changing of the guard with with coach Pugh leaving um you know after 22 years at the helm and and being able to bring in some fresh young minds i think that's definitely going to bode well uh, Marcus, to answer your question about where where I think um, the, the fit lies, it definitely needs to be somebody who understands the culture. Mm. Uh, number one of HBCU football, number two of South Carolina State. That doesn't necessarily mean that it needs to be an SC State graduate. Um, it just needs to be somebody who understands the who understands the culture. Um, somebody who wants to come in, who you know definitely wants to. Uh, you know, run an attack that that we're seeing, you know, in college football today. So, I mean, I would imagine they'll be running some variation of the spread offense and, um, you know, definitely, I mean, the hallmark of South Carolina State from as long as I can remember to now has always been their defense. So it definitely needs to be somebody who's laser focused uh, on defense, whether it be them being a defensive minded coach or just ensuring that you know, the, uh, the 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 staff that they are able to bring on uh, is able to, uh, you know, continue that mantra and that tradition of, of defensive excellence uh, that we've uh, been able to enjoy, you know, over the past 50 years. Okay. All right, um, Brad, uh, for, for those who aren't familiar or uh, who, who let people know your coverage of Bethune-Cookman, is where where yeah so so i've been covering yeah so i've been covering bethune cookman for uh hillwildcats.com for uh roughly you know seven eight years now um and uh you know in in that time i've i've seen you know i've i've, I've covered you know from from coach jenkins to you know to um you know terry sims and and you know and and now raymond woody um, and, uh, you know, I've seen, you know, them at their peak, you know, I've seen them, you know, kind of in between and I've seen them, you know, kind of have their lows. Um, what I will say about this, uh, Bethune Cookman team is, um, they're in a, uh, rebuilding year, if you will. Um, you know, they, uh, had selected a coach, uh, initially, uh, things didn't go, um, the way that they were supposed to. Um, and so as a result of that, you know, they had to go back to the drawing board and, uh, you know, decided on, you know, bringing in Raymond Woody. And, and quite frankly, I think it was, you know, probably the best uh, decision that they made uh, just because of uh, a, a myriad of reasons. Um, you know, uh, uh, Woody has been uh, he's a season. He's a season. He was a seasoned coach, a uh, heck of a recruiter. Um, you know, has, has, has coached at the, the FBS level, you know, at the FCS level. So, I mean, he kind of understands how, you know, how it's done at the highest, at the highest level, all the way down, you know, all the way down. And so, you know, with that, with that being said, um, you know, they, uh, 
Their defense has been solid all year. Um, the offense has taken some time to kind of come around, um, you know, to to Coach Woody's credit. He didn't have a full recruiting cycle um, just because he came in so late in the game. Um, so one of the things that I would say is, is that you talked about, uh, you know, maybe uh, picking up some lightning in a, in a bottle. I think they uh, they found it somewhere in like Monticello, uh, if you will. So. <laughs> But uh, nonetheless, they've been able to to have some success as of late. Um, and uh, uh, I will say I, what I will say is this, uh, just based on, you know, what I know about Coach Woody, um, what I know about how he recruits and, and, you know, how he's able to walk into kids homes and, um, you know, relate not only to the children or to the student athletes, but to the parents at large. Um, if you're going to get Bethune Cookman, this is the year to get him. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's what I find interesting. And uh, again, anyone who didn't watch or even see the highlights of the game Saturday against Alabama A&M is this team was down 14 to 10 deep in their own territory with about seven minutes to play and found a way to not just win, but score 21 straight points on their way out the door. Actually, technically 24 straight points out the door because they were down 14 to 7, if I'm not mistaken. But I just happened to observe deep in their own territory, down 14 to 10. And I'm watching, I'm like, doggone, it's seven minutes. When does the scoring start? And then it started on that drive. But this is a team that has been competitive. And they played the three best teams. Uh, well, obviously they're in the East. So I, let me let me back up for a second. I had to, I had to check myself there because I'm looking at the schedule and I'm like, oh, they were competitive against Jackson State. Hmm. Yeah, five six points, uh, five point loss to Alabama State. Hmm. Texas yep. Southern, who we just saw boat race uh, a team uh-huh. that could be in the SWAC yeah. championship, three point loss. Uh, you know the the Southern and Grambling games were within one to two touchdowns, and then they hit the winning streak, the two games. So this team does what really well? What have you observed that they're finally starting to do what well at this point in the season? Well, from from what I've you know from from what I've been able to gather, they um, run a pretty uh, a pretty pretty good balance. They have a pretty good balance attack. They have. I mean, they've always had, you know, really good skill, really good skill position players, um, you know, very strong within their within their running game. Um, but but the defense is the hallmark. The defense is the hallmark of the team. And so the defense has kept them in into games. And so, you know, it gives the offense an opportunity to be able just to engineer a few drives here or there. Uh, and as long as they can, you know, continue to put some points on the board, the defense always gives them a chance to be uh, in the game. What do you got, Kelvin? Uh, give me your analysis of what you've seen from FAMU. Mm-hmm. This from season. the from the games that I've so from the games that I've seen from from FAMU, um, and this is <laughs> it, it, it's been interesting. Um, we talked about you know we we talked about Corey Corey Fields from South Carolina State and kind of his lack of uh, progression. Uh, or you know, um, over the past six years, uh, what, I've seen from suckle. The, what I've <laughs> what I've seen from this FAMU team is is they tend to play to their level of competition. 
And, um, um, you know, I, I watched the, I watched the Texas Southern game and, and, and I'm, I'm watching the game and I'm saying, who is this, who is this team? This isn't the team that I've seen. You know, this isn't the team that I saw going to the Orange Blossom Classic and boat race uh, uh, Jackson State. You know, this isn't the team that I saw against uh, uh, against Alabama State. Like I, 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 I couldn't put my finger on it. And then it's almost like, you, you know, the team got a touchdown right before the right before the half. Went into the locker room and and Coach Simmons lit a fire under them. Uh, something serious, I would imagine, and and they came out and it was like a completely different team was it was like a completely different team was on the field, and so um, depend you know depending on um, you know how the how the SWAC championship game plays out because of course you know FAMU uh, will be hosting the SWAC championship game the first weekend of December um, that could be. Uh, the, the the difference in uh, heading to Atlanta two weeks later uh, or not. Now, obviously, you know, the Rattlers are the odds on favorite. Um, but I would uh, I would caution against them start. I, what I've noticed is that they they've started slow, um, depending on depending on who they're playing. And maybe it's just a situation where they feel as though, you know, they don't have to bring it, you know, within that first. 12 minutes or that first that first quarter or that first half because they have an on and off switch where they can just they can do just that and you know uh, come out victorious um what i will say is is um against some of the upper echelon teams or some of the better more balanced teams um that they are going to have to face particularly within the next several weeks um that may not be an option um marcus uh go ahead and close it out here with brad what do you got i guess uh the question everybody probably is curious what's your projection for the florida classic uh i think famu uh, wins their third in a row um I, I i don't think now i say that with the caveat i don't expect it to be uh a blowout by any means it's a rivalry game it's uh Quite frankly, Bethune-Cookman has nothing to lose uh, in this game. Um, FAMU has everything to lose just because they don't want to go into the SWAC champion. They don't want to back into the SWAC championship game after a loss, especially to an in-state rival. Um, so, you know, with that being said, I, I would expect, you know, I mean, these 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 games are, you know, they're you you, you never really can tell. You know, um, if you would have told me, in, if you'd have told me in 2010 that FAMU was going to win that game, I would have called you crazy. And so, we've, stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened in this game. You know, um, Dr. B, you said you weren't going to talk about it, but I'm going to bring it up. First overtime game in Florida Classic history, 58-52. Mm. Um, if you would have uh, been Doherty through for 462 yards, if you would have told me Bethune Cookman was going to win that game, I would have called you crazy. So. We've seen some things, you know, some stranger things happen in this Florida Classic game, but uh, I do expect at the end, when uh, when the clock strikes zero at Camping World Stadium in beautiful, in the city beautiful of Orlando, Florida, uh, I would imagine that Florida A&M will come out victorious. Good man. Um, <laughs> Brad, is there is there any 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 truth to uh, the 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 the? Hey, what is I, I, I don't know who did this, but th there's no truth that 
Bethune is coming out in, in these <laughs> uniforms. They always have a flair for coming out in dramatic helmets and new uniforms. This is not the uniform of choice this weekend. Is that correct? Can you confirm or deny that? I can neither confirm nor deny. Uh, okay. <laughs> What I will what I will say is this: I expect them to come out with something different. They always do. Um, Bethune Cookman, uh, for whatever for what it's worth, has been literally the Oregon of HBCU football. I think they have more uniform combinations than any other school in FCS football, for that matter. Um, that being said, I, I definitely expect them to come out and, and, and don something that we haven't seen probably all year. Um, but I don't expect this. That's for okay. sure. Uh, uh, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month is done. Um, <laughs> I think I think we can I think we can suffice to say that they're probably not going to have on pink cleats. All right. Well, I mean, you know, it, or, 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 or leopard. We'll say this: it would really it would really be a bad look for Fabio if they did come out with these, and yes, then. Exactly. It would be. It would be. <laughs> so be it, careful it what be. you ask for, sir. Be it, it, it would be a distraction for sure. <laughs> for sure. For sure. For sure. That that'd be a hell of a hell of a uniform switch. You know, come out in something solid and then come out with this in the game. But anyway, all right. Well, we you know it's all it's all in fun, Brad. Appreciate you. Um, Absolutely. Hey, um, appreciate you uh, stopping in and uh talk uh with us uh maybe offline you'll 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 drop us a nugget or two so we keep our eye on some south carolina state coaching uh candidates because uh that's where all the tea is that's what we'll be that's Absolutely. what we all be watching and, and then, we, and then you know and, and then of course we renew the rivalry next year yes. uh yes yeah kudos kudos to kudos to uh uh Oh my God! Why? Why am I drawing a blank on? She's on not there anymore. Tiff. That's why the. No, no, no! I'm, I'm not there. I'm talking about our Tiffany Dawn Sykes. Oh, oh. Yes, on on kudos to Tiffany Dawn Sykes and 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 Keisha Campbell for you know getting the paperwork squared away and and you know making sure that 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 the game was renewed. Um, because I, I'll be honest with you, um, guys, uh, it's always a well attended game. Um, you know our fans. Our fans love our fans. Love when you come to Tal. Our fans love when you come to Orangeburg, and and in turn, you know, uh, love coming down to Ta- love coming down to Tallahassee. Um, I know you guys love coming, so you can get some Brown Derby. We love going to Guthrie, so we can get a gut box. And uh, you know, <laughs> there's always, <laughs> you know, there's always, there's always fun. There's always fun and camaraderie. So um, you know, we love our. We love our our uh, our our Rattler brethren to the to the south. Well, I I know for a fact, uh, former AD Campbell would have loved to have played this game in uh, Miami, but as she told me, it's out of her hands. Right. I'm gonna just leave that alone. So. Right. Um. But okay. Well, you know, hey. Well, well. If I have anything to say about it, mm-hmm. based on what I remember about neutral site games with FAMU, I don't want to play any neutral site games. <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough of that for a lifetime. Trust and believe. All right. Well said. Well said. You know, you know, right? Uh, all right, Brad. Appreciate you, man. As always, thanks for uh, coming on, spending some time with us tonight. Um, uh, good luck to the uh, to the Bulldogs uh, in the final game of the season, the final game of Buddy 
Pugh's coaching career, hopefully they send the man out with a W. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's send the man out the right way with a W. Uh, please, God. Uh, okay, uh, Brad, we'll talk later. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Let's take care. All right. All right. Um, Brad Gillins, ladies and gentlemen, let's take a short break, come back and uh, get into what the scenarios are looking like over in the SWAC West. And then we got to mention what's happening over in the MIAC country. Just as my as my good friend, A.D. Drew calls it, complete MIAC type things going on over there (laughs) in that conference. Again, again, Uh, who would be surprised? Right. All right, we'll be back in just a moment. You're watching the ONG Strike Zone right here on the Black College Sports Network. If you think all pads are exactly the same, think again. This is Always Ultra Thin's reinvented with the Always Triple Protection System. This pad wicks gushes 90% faster, absorbs even more so you can feel dry, and locks odors in. Rethink your pad for up to 100% leak-free and odor-free comfort with the totally reinvented Always Ultra Thins. This is always like never before. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. As technology continues to bring changes to the world of education, it's time we also reimagine teacher professional development. Gone are the days of one-size-fits-all learning that can only be accessed at a specific time and place. The Stride PD Center is an on-demand library of mobile-friendly courses that allow educators to learn anytime and anywhere. Our dynamic courses provide bite-sized learning and help educators advance their knowledge while also gaining professional development hours. The best professional development plans are those that include a level of flexibility and choice for educators. Whether you're a teacher, school, or district, visit us today to take charge of your learning. Welcome back to the ONG Strike Zone. Uh, Brian, Marcus, Kelvin here. Uh, appreciate you guys. Guys, make sure to hit up Brad at Zara Telestrator. Let him know you appreciate him coming in. Uh, we'll definitely be keeping tabs on that South Carolina State thing as uh, as we go. All right. Um, just take a second. Let's come back to what happened in the world of football over the weekend. Again, uh, you couldn't have missed it, but uh, in case you did, you missed the game on Sunday where Texas Southern just unexplicably (laughs) just put – Open up a can. 
opened up a can. It, it was probably the second biggest upset of the weekend. <laughs> Kelvin, uh, that was like a BJ's a Costco size can. Yeah, uh, stunned and uh, Ladarius Owens ran wild, two hundred yards, became like the all-time leading rusher in Texas Southern history and everything. I mean, just good lord, man. Uh, I don't. I try to warn y'all. What yeah, did I, what I've been saying all season? Don't, don't trust, trust the West. Yes, indeed. That's what you've been saying. Yes, indeed. Yeah, you said it. Uh, okay, so. What that means is Alcorn went from being in first place by themselves to now tied with Purview and really, you know, losing their – they had control of their own destiny mm-hmm. pretty much going into the final game of the season. Um, and so – and, and what's, what's even amazing – and, you know, it's funny because Drew and I, when we were doing the show Sunday – and I'll be honest, I, I as we're watching this and we're talking about it, then it just kind of hit us that, wait a minute, if Prairie View and Alcorn loses, oh, God, that means now the Bayou Classic will somewhat determine who will go mm-hmm. into the uh, – in, into the uh, – into the uh, – in, into the, the, the SWAT championship game. Um, and it got yeah. even juicier because, I mean, if that comes to that, and I didn't realize that until somebody posted it earlier today. I want to say Yard Talk, but I'm not sure if it was her or somebody else, that the guy uh, who's taking over as the interim coach at Southern was the interim coach at Grambling when Fobbs got fired. Right. Two, two, uh, was it two seasons ago? Two seasons ago, yeah, that, that coach who was the interim coach for Grambling went over to Southern because they didn't retain him at Grambling when Hugh Jackson came over. So then he ended up going over to Southern with Dooley. Uh, and and then, you know, because they had an interim coach at the time as well because they had already let go of, uh, well, they let go of Dawson Odoms before and they had an interim coach that entire season. So they didn't stick with him at the end of the year. Ended up going well, he with Who? Dawson. He went to Norfolk. Okay. No, he's talking about the uh, the interim coach that coached in two thousand and yeah, they, that game was an interim coaching game where you had one interim coach and then a recent interim coach, right? So Grambling ended up winning that ball game, and then that coach joined the staff with Eric Dooley over at Southern, and now what do you know? He's actually coaching in that contest against Grambling, as well as Noah Bodden, former Grambling recruit. Uh, it will probably get some action in that contest. So uh, for those who, who are looking for a juicy handicap, there's your juicy handicap. All right, so this is what the West looked like, the Wild West, as it's called. So Prairie View now controls their own destiny. If they win out and this week, uh, they got a tough one. They play Alabama State. and But if they win that game, they're coming to Tallahassee, but again, again, but if Alcorn wins uh, by beating Jackson State, they got to go to Jackson State and win now. And Prairie View loses to Alabama State, then it's Alcorn who gets in. And then the third scenario, as we just mentioned, that if <laughs> somehow, which. Right now, by by what I recently saw, the two East schools, Jackson State and Alabama State, are both favorite over Alcorn and Prairie View. If that holds true and those two teams win, 
and Grambling beat Southern. Guess who's coming to Tallahassee? Old Hugh Jackson and Grambling are coming to Tallahassee out of nowhere. Uh, you know, and there's Grambling. You win the West, and you win the West, and you win the West. I think that graphic, then that graphic is off a little bit. How so? Well, because it says under Grambling, it says JSU lost. That should be Alcorn lost. Okay. And I know you didn't create it, so I'm not blaming you. Well, good catch. Good catch. Yeah. So that, yes, you're right. So a purview and Alcorn lose is what it should say. Mm -hmm. Um, Grambling. Grambling wins. And so we would, at at the very least, and I think Coach Simmons recapped this during the uh, 220 club, QB club today. Yes, he did. But so if both Alcorn and PV lose, we got to wait till. Saturday evening after Thanksgiving to figure out whether Grambling wins or if they lose. And then I guess if they lose, all three of those teams lose, then I think the tie break goes to, I don't know who. Sure. But so the tie break view. goes to ter- Prairie, Prairie View. Prairie view. go to Prairie View. So they would eventually bubble back up into the, as right. the Swack West so, rep. If, Gram- if they lose, so how that works, it, yeah. it all works based on division record. Like right now, mm-hmm. that's why if Grambling, if the if if you know Alcorn and uh, Preview lose, Grambling and by beating Southern has the best division record. Remember, all those teams would be five and three. Mm-hmm. Grambling actually would have the best division record because remember, Grambling. Um, uh, let's see, it, they only, they're they only lost in the division. Yeah. Right. Their only loss in the division is to Alcorn. To, to Alcorn right? and that's by, by one point if they had to go down to points. Correct. Exactly. By one point in a field goal. So, but the thing is, if um, Southern were to win, right? Southern, who would also then be five and three, they lose out because they have lost to Alcorn and Prairie View. And then it goes down to Prairie View versus Alcorn again. And then that's where Prairie View again has the tie break over them. So that's by virtue of a head-to-head win. Again, what what do you say, Kelvin? Don't trust the West to keep it simple for us, and just know it's uh, chaotic. Mm. Just know it's chaotic. Uh, but what's even more interesting is what happened over in the MIAC. Because boy, I tell you what. Uh, with the number one, well, in some people's polls, number one, North Carolina Central, getting beat by Howard 50-20. to 20, And then Morgan State beating South Carolina State. It left a 3-1, and 3-1, 3-1 tie over in the MEAC. And it's set up for this upcoming weekend where you have Howard playing Morgan State, North Carolina State playing Delaware State. Uh, and so how that one's going to go is this nice little graphic. Okay. If Howard wins, defeats Morgan State, Howard is coming to the Celebration Bowl. They win the MEAC title outright. Okay. But guess who still has a shot? North Carolina Central. Because if Morgan defeats Howard and the Eagles, who are at home, Against Delaware State win, North Carolina Central is going because they've already beaten Morgan State previously, and both teams would have one loss, four and one record in the conference. Oh, but wait, there's more because how can Morgan State get in? 
if by some strange <laughs> occurrence, Dell State is like you saw the record one in nine. If Dell State were to somehow beat North Carolina Central and Morgan State beat Howard, the Morgan State Bears would go to the Celebration Bowl and they would have a record of five and six. Again, a five and six team from the MEAC could be coming to the Celebration Bowl to play, you know, whether it's FAMU, you know, or whomever. But just just imagine, wow, that's crazy. Yes. Well, uh, one South one South Carolina State season five when they came, they were, mm-hmm. and, and that's what Howard would be actually if they come and got Howard and got and got blown out that same season by FAMU. Uh, yeah, yep, early shut, on, shut yeah. out, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, North Carolina Central still has an opportunity to go to the playoffs. Uh, that's one thing uh, that's in play. They dropped from number seven to 14 in the coaches poll. FAMU took their spot in the seven spot in the coaches poll. Uh, I think these, what's funny is the stats FCS poll has central 10th. Uh, so they only dropped a couple of spots there. Of course, the stats FCS didn't really move FAMU at all, so they're still kind of like 15 or 16. Mm -hmm. So North Carolina Central is still in play. Uh, And there are some people, when we were talking uh, on the show, on Dr. Cavill's show last night, Jackson State. I mean, if Jackson State beats Alcorn, and Alcorn is still considered, you know, a a good team and still in contention, right? If Jackson State were to beat Alcorn, and I mean really beat them, good jackson state could make a pitch and say hey we're eight and three we maybe should get one of those 24 spots but really actually they're kind of like 11 or 12 at large spots in the fcs playoffs um even though they're not ranked uh maybe they could somehow jump in the ranking on the last week of the season as 24 25 they might find themselves in there and you could realistically have north carolina central and jackson state in I, that would be shocking to see the FCS do that because I, you know, you're like me. Yeah, I'm I'm the same way, Kelvin. I don't yeah, because I don't know. We'd have to ask, you know, from in terms of a quality win, do they have one? Right. And right. also, who does Jackson State have a quality win? Yes, yeah. or what the committee would consider quality. You know, if you put yourselves in their shoes, do they have what they would consider a quality win when they compare against other FCS brethren? And then also the losses that they've had. FAMU's the only ranked team, if I recall. They've lost uh, – who did Jackson State lose to? Uh, Alabama State. Alabama State and, and Texas State. Uh, Texas one. State. So yeah. a Division One loss and then Alabama State. Now, if Alabama State – well, I guess if they were ranked, they'd be – in contention probably for the for the title for the swaggy so that would Alabama happen. State hurting both teams because Alabama State only got three losses too but they hurting both teams because of that D2 loss yeah yes mm-hmm. good point good point losing the miles um yeah yeah I, I think it's a it's a nice scenario a nice thought um you know who knows I I don't know what kind of stuff is going on in the back channels but you know Jackson State can always sell having a 50,000 seat stadium as incentive and they, I mean, imagine they, they'll uh, have an argument 
Yeah, yeah. They, they have an argument. <sighs> yeah, but I mean, they have a, a slim argument just to get in the playoffs, but then to host. Oh no! no well, no, they can host. Yeah, they can host. They can. They can put in a bid to host one of those first round games because those first round games well, again. A- that would be you'd have a you'd have a first round game against. Um, a, they don't have local. to go for the, they don't have to go to the highest bidder though, and they did and they did that last year. Okay, where in the first round where they didn't award it to the highest bidder, so yeah, I well, I just don't see them. Okay. I don't see them making one of those other schools come to Jackson in front of thirty forty thousand people. Mm-mm. It would make no. sense, but they ain't gonna do it. No, I mean I, I have a. To me, it'd be a stretch for Jackson to get an at-large bid. And then if they did, even more of a stretch to, to host a home game in the first round. Yeah, I don't disagree. Um, all right, so obviously you see the schedule there. Uh, lots of good TV watching. I mean, if you're not coming to the Classic, you can set up multiple TVs between the two games in the SWAC, Alcorn, Jackson State, Alabama State, Preview. The MIAC games, uh, the Howard Morgan State is a one o'clock game. Uh, is that on ESPNU? I mean, on, on ESPN, ESPN Plus. Plus? It is on ESPN Plus. The Morgan, the North Carolina Central Dell State game is a two o'clock Eastern game. That's on ESPN Plus. Um, hmm. You see the uh, obviously the the Fan Bethune game is on ESPNU. Mm-hmm. So if you have ESPN Plus, you can pick up that game. And sometimes yeah. it works. It, it, well, if you have Plus, you should be able to pick it up. <laughs> no, you don't think so? Some yeah, of the games I, earlier this year, I couldn't. But every year, it says ESPNU for the for the Florida Classic, and I can get it with Plus. So I don't know what it is about the Florida Classic, but other times, if it's on the U, I'm going to be able to get it with my just an ESPN Plus subscription uh, and a, I, another another note sorry to interrupt but with the huh. multiple games i don't know how it's possible but i know talking with kenya she has apple tv and it allows for multi-screen thing. yeah i keep trying to do that and i cannot get that to work i don't must be an apple tv thing i think it's an apple tv because i looked it up that weekend when i saw her do it it's mm-hmm. an apple tv feature and somebody else but i don't think it's a, a feature that's it's not embedded in ESPN. Not with my Roku. I think, not with my Roku. Uh, and I don't think Roku either. I think it's Apple Plus and one other uh, service, Fire maybe stick? YouTube or somebody like that, that allows it. I'd have to check into it. But, yeah, she had a lot of multiple, sc- multiple screens and took a picture yeah. of it for one yeah. of our games. And I was like, oh, my Real gosh, jokes. how you – why would you even <laughs> leave the house? Yeah. Uh, and no, Kevin, Bull, it's not just a smart TV. It's got to be more than a smart TV. Yeah, it's like getting ESPN on, um, and I'm just using the Fire Stick, for example, but for example, if you had Fire Stick or Roku or Hulu, uh, you know, however you watch the ESPN app, there's got to be a way that lets you uh, do all that. Yes, Um, let me look that up real quick. Well, keep going, but yeah, yeah, we've got a lot of... The times on the graphic that you see, if you're watching us, are all central time, uh, just in case you guys didn't pick that up. Uh, so that's the uh, Alcorn Jackson State is at 3 Eastern. Alabama State at Prairie View is 3 Eastern. Um, the final game for Clarence McKinney at Texas Southern. 
is three Eastern. Um, reports are is coming that out. official? It's not official, but the reports are that they are. He's at the end of a contract. They did yeah. not offer him an extension, and the word is starting to get out that now this this could change. But there's word that they are not going to offer a new contract. So it's not that he's getting fired. It's just that supposedly they're not going to offer a new contract. They've said he's been there five years. Uh, with the exception of this year, obviously, I think large part to Andrew Body being hurt. The team started one in 10 his first season, and they have gotten better every year. I mean, this recruiting class, the guys like the Darius Owens, uh, Ladarius Owens, they, they are his recruits. Andrew Body is one of his recruits. So this was supposed to be a year that Texas Southern was probably going to win or could win seven games. I think a lot of people thought maybe even eight. They had a tough schedule. But as we've seen this, we've seen this team, uh, it's not a shabby team. This is not a bad team. You know, they just, they had some, I think scheduling hurt them. That schedule at the beginning of the season after they lost, uh, you know, after they lost that game to uh, um, uh, who did they lose that game to? Um, Prairie View. Yeah, after they lost that game to Prairie View, I told you that changed everything, didn't it? Because then they lost the next three games, which were all I think FCS or FBS teams, and it just wasn't the same. So, you know. Uh, so yes, uh, Bull says Samsung Smart TV. Is that what you added in there, Marcus? As what that? Uh, I put a link in. It, I looked on ESPN, and it says it's available through Apple TV and Xbox. So I don't know how old that article is, but Xbox. it talked about ESPN oh, multicast Xbox. for Xbox. If you're looking at the games, or through um through Apple TV, where you can get the four screens. I don't know if they've added that other feature because I don't have – well, I do have an Xbox. My son has one, so yeah. I could try that, but I don't have Apple TV, and I don't know if there's any other way that they support it now. But mm-hmm. I just Googled that – use Google to find that article, but if hopefully they'll improve it and add that feature to some other venues and, and streaming methods. All right. Uh, just a reminder, folks, the SWAG Championship game coming to Tallahassee December 2nd. <laughs> 4 p.m. Eastern on ESPN2. That's big time. Um, today, if you caught the 220 Club, and you and there's our good uh, good AD, uh, VP AD Sykes. Um, always excited when when we win. Um, she she dropped some nuggets at the 220 Club, and then of course the FAMU did what they normally do, which is drop some posts here in terms of tickets. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, okay, so if you're an investing in champions ticket holder, your tickets for the SWAC championship game are available. And you have early access to your tickets until Tuesday, November 21st at 5 p.m. And then on Wednesday, general public tickets will go on sale. Now, I I've been reaching out back and forth with the with the SWAC office trying to get certain details. And so uh for example, I've been trying to find out is this FAMU getting a certain number of tickets, like 40% of the tickets? Uh what sections do these tickets 
entail? You know, is it half the stadium on the home side or is it different sections? Um, we heard 80 Sykes say that parking is kind of unique. That uh, And so, again, one of the main things she said is that it, it, nothing that applied to your season tickets or investing in champions package applies to this game. It's just what, Kelvin, you get first opportunity to buy your tickets. Is that how that works? Yeah. Yep. So if you're an investing in champions person, you get the first opportunity to buy tickets, which I, I like that. That's, that's the perk of being a season ticket holder, you know, in, in, in a, in a larger sense, if we had more season tickets, they'd do a raffle, you know, but probably we have, a, we don't have a full capacity of season ticket or investing in champion people that take up all the available tickets. Right. So you get first come first serve, and then there's going to be a leftover for general, you know, public, uh, how many tickets can you purchase stuff like that? I don't know. That will be a phone call. You see that number there, that eight five zero number, the FAMU box office. That's who you call, and I'm sure. Good luck with that. You, you yeah, you'll be leaving a you'll be leaving a message. <laughs> good just, luck just with let that. you know you will be leaving a message. They'll call you back. Maybe they, will they call you back? No comment. Okay. Um. Eventually they'll get back to you. It may not be in a time. It may not be when you want it. But they'll call you back. Uh, make sure to leave your number and speak clearly. Uh, <laughs> any updates on parking? Uh, I don't know. Were there any updates on parking? Uh, she mentioned something. And I guess uh, for those who may not have watched, I guess some of the intel, I guess they were doing the live show, the 220 QB Club, and she wasn't able to attend. But I don't know if she was listening or if someone sent her say, hey, you need to call in. But she called into the show and Vaughn had the cell phone up to the up to the mic and she was trying to get details for parking. What I recall was that um, she mentioned that 200 spots needed to be reserved for the SWAC and their sponsors. For the SWAC, yep. And so everyone who has park who had parking with their investing in champions, there's no guarantee that your spot's still available, but exactly. there are spots that you can purchase. I guess it's purchase. I don't know. I guess, you know, reserve, but there's no guarantee that the spots that you had as a season, uh, not season investment in champions would be still be reserved because this, this is a swack event and they're doing that. She did mention garage parking. I think she was going to check on that, but I think she said it may still be viable and you keep the same spot, but I'm not sure she's going to check. And I'm just giving second, third hand from what she said over the cell phone, but a lot of seating, and some arrangements in the stadium. I think that she said a uh, north end zone. There's no travel back and forth, I guess, along the. Um, but the north end zone, that's not going to be. I didn't think that was going to be uh, controlled by fans. No, no, no. No, what I'm saying is, um, is that I don't think there's going to be regular traffic, say, between the north and south ends of the end zone because they don't want fans. I think the way she put it or ways relate to her in the way that I recall when she said it today was they don't want uh, any interaction with the student athletes and any of the fans as it relates to anything. My assumption, this is, these are my words, not hers, but anything that could jump off. 
So they're not allowing like, or it doesn't sound like allowing, we could review the tape for the 220 QB club when she was on there, but it sounds like they're not, we're not having traffic back and forth between the north part of the stadium and a, and a second. Bull says it's the south end zone. The south end zone is where the, uh, where the field house is. Mm-hmm. That so he that one that may be so thanks for the clarity. But in essence, there's not gonna they're trying to minimize and control traffic around that area so there won't be any interaction with the student athletes. So there's yeah, a few it, changes and yeah, things that, yeah, that I guess you'll have that, to, makes sense. that whole thing should be cut off. There's way too many people that, that get it that free pass walk through there anyway. So they just hey, you want to you know, you got to walk around or you got to walk the other way. I don't know. Um. It, yeah, there's been that, that way before. It has, it has, and and look, there, you know, more more information will come out. You just got to be patient, folks. And I know mm-hmm. we want more. Uh, and this is fluid. And, and again, like I said, fam, you wrapping up this again is very unprecedented in the swag that a team has wrapped up the conference before the month of November. Usually this is about the time when maybe you got one team already figured out and you then figure out the next team. You know what I'm saying? It usually comes down to the last week or two. So it's very unusual that Rattler Nation has been sitting on for two weeks. Ooh, when we, when, when can we get our tickets home? You know, and it's like the swag is like, whoa, slow down, Rattlers, slow down. You know, we we, we got all these other championships that we're trying to finish up before we even get to football. So that that's the truth. Uh, so just uh, just bear with. And I think she also mentioned um, there might be some sponsor zones. I think remember something about it because I listened to it again this afternoon. Oh, sure, like a, sure a, a GM zone or some other zone, Pepsi zone or, or something like that. Some of the sponsors might have little display areas, I think, in and around the stadium. Once again, of course, you know. If they're major sponsors, then they're going to they kind of have some leeway in that regard. So that's going to be another some more footprint and real estate that's going to be taken up that otherwise might have been open or taken by some other school specific uh, entities. Mm-hmm. Uh, we appreciate you, Jaws. 2003. Uh, big shout out to Kelvin, one of the best supervisors he's ever worked under. Kelvin, you know, when you when you do when you do right by people, you know, people. People, people come back and they show love. And so, uh, shout out to appreciate your jaws. And, uh, that's why we, that's why we, that's why we got Kelvin. That's why a little early birthday gift to the boy, Kelvin. That's right. Birthday coming up on, uh, on, on Saturday. Um, you know, uh, our heavenly, a heavenly birthday to our brother Kofi on Friday. Uh, so, you know, he his his Gotta birthday is one on. day before Kelvin. So uh, on Friday, while we're sporting our orange and green, you make sure to wear your what up boy uh Kofi t shirts, especially if you are in Orlando at the classic. Make sure you wear that that Kofi shirt on Friday in honor of uh, our boys uh birthday and uh tweet out some photos. Uh make sure you hit that uh hashtag LL Kofi uh on Friday. And then on Saturday, we're going to celebrate Kelvin's birthday and uh, we'll go from there. So um, make sure you guys uh, take care of take care of our people. Um, Any other anybody, any other football related notes that you want to get into before we kind of. 
pivot over to action on the courts? No, I think we covered everything now. Uh, well, nope. maybe we we'll talk okay. about it later. Not, not for okay. this season. What? what? Next season. Oh, that that whole schedule thing. Yeah. Did, you got oh. Did you put? Did you make a graphic thing for that? Yep. Uh, but I don't know how prolonged it's going to be because it's you know we're going to do like the little bingo thing. I don't know if you refreshed the. Um... I did. I did. Okay. You put, it, you put it at the end somewhere. All right, let's do this. Let's. Uh, I don't want to take a break. I want to keep going here while we while we're while we're here and we're finishing up. Let's let's transition to basketball okay. uh, for a moment. Um, and uh, and uh, mention a couple of items. Uh, again, hey, I just saw a promotion here on the athletic website. Hold on, where'd it go? Come back. Uh, how do I get it to go back? Hey. Promoting the FAMU basketball doubleheader November 20th at the Al Lawson Center, 4 p.m. That's when the women play University of California. 8 p.m. is when the men take on um, Oregon. Oregon. And those tickets, I, I, it's a Ticketmaster link. So you can actually, if you're on the FAMU Athletics website, there's a big banner there at the top. It'll take you to Ticketmaster. You can purchase tickets, or you can call 850-599-3141. I hope that's not FAMU box office, is it? If, uh-oh. 3141? Yes. Yeah. Uh-oh. Well, they, they might be a little busy, but uh, you can still try to call. Uh, <laughs> you may be able to get your tickets, but you may, want, you may find it better to uh, – to go to Ticketmaster, purchase your tickets. I'm going to be coming up to Tallahassee. Everybody from Orlando should go to Tallahassee. Uh, we should all be in Tallahassee and pack the pit out for that game because we got two games that uh, we really need to. I, I'm hoping that we can put at least five to six in a 10,000-seat arena. That's my hope. My hope is that we can put five to six. Florida – uh, the Florida men, when we played them on Tuesday, they had about sixty six hundred in, in that in that old, uh, large arena that they have. Uh, so I, I think we we can definitely put five to ten in that contest. Um, all right, so for the men, uh, gotta give a shout out here to freshmen. K.J. Parker, in his first week of uh, collegiate basketball, true freshman, K.J. Parker was named the SWAC Impact Player of the Week after his performance in Nebraska. That was uh, the second of two for the Rattler men last week in the state of Nebraska. Of course, they opened against Creighton and then Nebraska. Uh, Parker averaged 12.5 points four rebounds, and 2.5 assists uh, per game in those two games. Uh, He did start both of them. Uh, He led the Rattlers in scoring rebounds and assists at the Nebraska game with 13 points, six rebounds, and three assists. Uh, And, uh, you know, shout out to – and if you heard our interview with uh, Coach – uh, he kind of told you KJ was gonna was gonna get some time. 
I mean, he was really impressed with him. And uh, the young man didn't look like a freshman. Played played really well. Yeah. And I, and I think if you watch the Florida game, you came away even more impressed with him and the team, I think. Uh, yes, we did lose, you know, that game, 89 to 68. But, you know, I start thinking about the positives. Uh, that line opened at 27, shot all the way up to 34, which means people were putting a lot of money on Florida to beat us up. And we only lost by 21. So if you were a FAMU backer, hey, you were happy. You came away. Uh, we covered expectation. We played well. We scored 68 points. Uh, the previous two games, I think we had scored 54. Uh, 68 points is pretty doggone good, I think. Um, and that young man right there, I need some more love. More love means love Bettis. Get to know the name, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, love Bettis uh, scored 24 points in the contest. His first uh, of the season. His first came he, off. Because he didn't play because he didn't play in Nebraska. Uh, in the, I don't even think it, he made a trip. Uh, I think he made the trip. I don't think he played, though. I think I you saw know him. No, he did not play. I know he did not play. Okay. Well, he, he played in the Creighton game, I thought. Uh-uh. No. Okay. All right. I, I, anyway, but he played 27 minutes, shot 9 of 15 from the field, 3 of 5 from the three-point arc, 3 of 3 at the free throw line. Uh, 24 points, had four steals, uh, shot the ball, and looked really well. Um, Shannon Grant, our big fella, Shannon Grant, uh, down low, he scored 15 points on 7 of 10 from the field in 22 minutes. Uh, grabbed four rebounds. Keith Lamar had eight points and nine rebounds. Lamar played 25 minutes, uh, just three of nine from the field. Um, but uh, overall, a a much better performance. Uh, KJ Parker, if you wanted to know, logged uh, 32 minutes, scored nine points. Uh, had a tough shooting night, but uh, he still hit the. He had three steals, two rebounds, two assists. Um, still a good a good game for him. O- overall, I was impressed. FAMU. We we outshot Florida from the three-point arc, which is always, if you're going to stay in games against major opponents, is how you do in a three-point arc. Uh, we shot 38.5% on 5 of 13 shooting. Florida was just 6 of 19, which is 31.6%. Uh, so that's pretty good out shooting florida problem was they outdid us out big us down low we had 34 points in the paint they had 44 uh they went to the free throw line 25 times <laughs> we went to the free throw line six times Oof. yeah so <laughs> there's your 20 point margin right there just at the free throw line alone uh i mean but you know that happens. Any any other thoughts? What about that performance from the men, guys? Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, I didn't witness it firsthand. I didn't witness it firsthand, but well, I guess from the margin of defeat, considering how 
how we lost to Nebraska. And I guess, you know, we're improving, and it sounds like we got some at least one player back that we didn't have before that helped us to kind of reduce that that scoring margin. So they're getting some good playing time. I didn't, I don't see, you know, how they performed. I can only look at the box score, so I don't know how well they matched up from the highlights. It looks like. Um, at least uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name, June Luis or something like that. He wasn't afraid. He showed at least two dunks where he's trying to drive in the hoop. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're not playing scared. This might be Hans, Hans Luis June. Yes, Hans Luis June. Hans Luis June. We might be out physical, maybe out talented, but we're not playing scared. We're not, you know, just rolling it out there we- and just keeling over. Yeah, we, we just got to get <clears throat> we got to get everybody on the floor. Uh, I, I went back to check. I know the announcer for the Florida game had mentioned it, that that um, Love hadn't played, and I I went back to check and he didn't play uh, against either of the teams in Nebraska. So, um, okay. his ability his his ability to create his own shot. Is going to be real big in terms of our offensive production. Him and KJ both have the capability of creating their own shots, and um, he actually showed some range also because he hit a few threes. And the Florida offense was really good. As long as you got one of them on the floor at at, at any time, and and of course there's moments when they're together, they are very difficult because they great ball handlers. Both of them are very great ball handlers. And they greatest shooting, shooting them off the dribble. So I'm, I'm that that piqued my interest because because you know Florida's long, you know they were very tall, but but you know and one of the guys uh, KJ played with uh, yep. at, at Florida in the same backcourt. So um, and he outplayed him, frankly. But um. So, so I understand that there's another guard that I, I don't think none of us was expecting should be announced in the next week or so that be coming back. Um, and he he's a true point guard, and he 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 was here before. And you add those three guards with uh, and that means that KJ can play some two at times as well as Love can play some two at times. Um. This team, I think, once we get into conference play, that's when you can really judge them. But I, I see some opportunities. And then, of course, uh, um, I saw some, someone in the chat. If we, if we, if we put a, a shootout there with that group, I, I really uh, be uh, uh, optimistic. But the big man, uh, Shannon Grant, he, he shows some, some, some post moves and some capabilities. Um, good length, so we'll just have to keep watching. You know, Brian know me. I'm a show me kind of guy, but I did see some things that I can latch on to. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, did that we get me... a? Did we get two big guys? Has the other one second yeah. play? He, he, yeah, he, he got in there. Too. He was in there. He was okay. in there. Did okay, three of six from the field. Uh, played yeah. about eight minutes. Uh, so we got a, we got a couple of guys who were who were six ten. We are a bigger team mm-hmm. than what we've had in the last couple of years. Yeah, we got uh, bars still. Yeah, the, the question the question is going to be is how well we shoot. 
going to come down to guard play. Limit, limit the turnovers. Just like it is in the NBA and everywhere else outside of outside of Jokic. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, unless you get one of those unicorns. Unless you get one of those kind of unicorns, it always going to come down to guard play. And, you know, can guys – well, we, we know we can defend, but can we right. shoot the ball? We, yeah. we know that a Coach McCollum team is usually going to be able to defend. Uh, I, and what frustrated me watching the game is just little opportunities. Opportunities when we were at the yeah. rim or could have made an easy basket. And it's like yeah. we get the ball. Like, I, I mean, I'm going to go coach mode here. Like, we get the ball on the right low block, and instead of dropping baseline and finish with a right hand, the young man turns inside to his left, goes jump hook and misses. And I'm just like, God, no, wrong way. I'm like, drop baseline and put the slap the glass and put the ball. But, you know, I guess the kids don't, kids don't slap the glass no more. They got to go dunk it. But I'm hell. Back in the day, you would just drop step, slap glass, and go on down the other end. But anyway, that's, that's neither here nor there. So, again, uh, um, opening night is Monday for the men. 8 p.m. against the University of Oregon. Uh, I don't know what more. uh, Oregon is 2-0 on the year so far. Uh, If you want to get a good gauge of them, they play Tennessee State on Friday. Uh, So far, they're 2-0. They play Tennessee State on Friday uh, at home. So this is really the first true road game for uh, Oregon coming up to Tallahassee or coming down, traveling out to Tallahassee. So we'll, we'll kind of see how they, how they react to it. Uh, quick mention about our women. Uh, the ladies came back from their Tennessee trip. Uh, they ended up Losing to Florida, ninety-two to fifty-four. Um, I don't know. Something must have gone on with the box score because there's no box score here on the website. Uh, the 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 Twitter feed stopped posting tweets uh, somewhere in the middle of the third, late third quarter. Uh, I know that kind of. I don't know what went on with that, but. That was unfortunate, um, but the game was on. So, who knows? Maybe, maybe we could have. Uh, if I hadn't fallen asleep at the couch watching that game, I, I uh, you know, I, I could have maybe retweeted some stuff. But uh, <laughs> the lady, lady Rattlers are zero and three right now. Um, you know, watch that know. game. Watch yeah. that game. I mean, you kind of knew it's going to take time, and, and with schedules, we, you know, the caliber of talent they teams they're playing, you know, that you're going to take some lumps. Again, th- this game they got off to a better start than the Middle Tennessee. They were competitive in the first quarter. Uh, I I can't remember, but it it was like six points maybe uh, at the end of the first quarter, and and um even in that half it wasn't ridiculous, it, but essentially out rebounded you know florida again was long and then um turnovers i think we were kind of high on turnovers there's always free throw discrepancy and then eventually as you wear down those those scoring spurts we got to minimize those scoring spurts where, where, where we're not scoring so um 
they're playing hard. I love the effort. There's some there there is some talent there. Um but it's tough to compete with the teams they're playing right now. And they just don't have enough size and athleticism in the post. And then um, I think they're missing a point guard. I, Grizzle can take people off the dribble at any time, but her offense is suffering because of both decision-making and just how many minutes she have to play and spend so much in it, both on the offense and defense side. But when she goes out of the game, I, I turn up, our turnover ratio goes up heavily. Because uh, we just don't have another point guard. We really, if this team had another point guard, they'd be pretty good. Yeah. I was looking at the roster here. Trying to see who that other guard was supposed to be. And I don't know if it was supposed to be uh, Zero Sylvester. Mm-hmm. As a Peronia, yeah, she's a she's a North Florida transfer. She came in last year. Oh, she did. I don't know. I don't remember her getting a lot of playing time or something, but I don't know if she was injured. But yeah, I think she came in last year. Well. I know it's not Subarets. I love Subarets, but she is not our point guard. I'm just gonna say that flat out. I mean, I I love I love her game. I love what we that girl needs opportunities to shoot and asking. And we saw we saw what happened last year when you get stuck asking her to be the point guard. That that's where it's a lot of turnovers. Hey, a lot of turnovers. And then Florida had a point guard as as a, as the truth, and she was putting it she was putting it on him. <laughs> hey, look, she, that, she could not guard, and then no, no, no disrespect, no, you know, it ain't no fault, but that, that's a good but, squad. Uh, that, that Florida, yeah. well, well, I don't know about the squad, but but that point, well, God, that oh, God well, is look, the truth. <laughs> so, here, here's what I've seen in the three opponents that they have faced, right? They faced a post player from Tennessee who's probably going to be in the Naismith. Uh, or the, the women's yeah. college player of the year running. I mean, if Tennessee's gonna be great, it's gonna be on her heels. They got a couple, they got a couple of bigs. Nice. Then they ran into a, a middle Tennessee State team that shot the hell out of the ball. I mean, they just shot lights out. It you doesn't matter how how hard close you were or how many hands, they just shot lights out as a team. And then you run up against a team like Florida. That's got a couple of dynamic guards. So, I mean, you kind of run into just three different styles of of, of players and play. And, yeah, it's been like, wow. So, I don't know what Oregon's going to come up with, uh, you know, but I'll be – we'll be paying attention. Or, I'm sorry, Cal. That's who they play, Cal. So, the women play Cal at 4 o'clock. And then there's a bit of a there'll be a, there'll be about an hour and a half gap, uh, technically two hours, but that's uh, for television. And uh, we are working on being there. I'll tell you that. I'll let you I'll let you in on something. You know, uh, Kelvin and I will be there, and uh, AD Drew will be in the house. So who knows? We might be able to do a from Lawson a, a pregame and a, a mid seat a mid intermission break as well from uh from Lawson so 
Uh, that'll be on Monday, so make sure to check that out and stay tuned for that. All right, let's talk about uh, – let's pivot off the women, and let's talk about these ladies right here. Our uh, Lady Rattlers are in Prairie View, Texas, or traveling to Prairie View, Texas, as we speak. Um, they picked up uh, a, a win on senior day against Bethune, winning 3-1. Three, three, uh, pretty good performance by by the ladies. I thought they were going to get their, what, sixth consecutive sweep? Had they won it? It, it should have been. It should have been, they yeah. Were there, I was there, and um, they were up, what, 23-19 some, at some point, some, some, something like that in that last set, that it was uh-huh. the set that they lost, and then they allowed them to come back, and I think it went over 25. I think we lost like 28, 26 or something. And then I had to leave and get and take my little one because I had her with me to uh, get something to eat. I was like, man, I, I was trying to be home. I was trying to be home for dinner. I can't stay for this for a set. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the, the final, the, it was 28, 26. Mm-hmm. In the third set. In that third set. And that had snapped as I'm reading here, a 17 consecutive set wins run. Uh, Of course, that's five matches and then two-thirds of that fifth. And then, of course, uh, then they closed out the fourth set, 25-17, as uh, FAMU jumped out to an early lead in that one. Uh, Three players were in double figures in digs. Brooke Hudson with 27, Brooklyn Watts with 14, Camila De La Rosa with 11. Dominique Turner had a match high, three aces. Uh, we never trailed in the first and second set. Uh, Melania Thornton, Thornton. yeah, mm-hmm. a name we hadn't heard often. She had a match high, 12 kills. And De La Rosa recorded a match high, of 33 assists. The awards will probably come out tomorrow. They usually do the awards the day before the tournament starts on uh, Friday. So tomorrow at some point in the afternoon or late, maybe early evening, they'll have their honors. And I I think we, I, I'd be shocked if Brooke Hudson is not the defensive player or libero of the year. I think Camila De La Rosa may be in the hunt for newcomer of the year or setter of the year, one of the two. Uh, although the young lady from Alabama State who who recently set a record, she might be in a running as well. And with them being unbeaten, that may give her the edge. And, and then really player of the year is what's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, uh, that that's what's going to be interesting. I didn't pull up the, the stats, but... Uh, Marcus, if or somebody want to do that, I'll introduce this uh, playoff bracket here. Uh, those were the final scores from the last weekend on the volleyball circuit. And thus, after that, the here's the volleyball tournament. So the seeding begins and the play begins on Friday. As you can see, we are the last game on Friday night, which is 6.30 taking on Grambling. Um, I'm 
trying to see did we give up any matches to to Grambling during the year? Uh, did we play Grambling during the season? We did play Grambling over in Daytona Beach back on October 30th. Uh, we beat them 3-0 in the only other meeting that we had against them. Uh, should we win that contest, it'll create, we'll move to the semifinals on Saturday. About the same time as the kickoff of the uh, Classic, uh, or maybe an hour after. Nope, a couple hours after, because that, that 4.30 time is central time. So technically that's 5.30 Eastern. So about halftime. By about halftime after the Battle of the Bands, that's when uh, <clears throat> that semifinal match will take place and we'll play the winner of Prairie View who's the host school and Texas Southern uh, mm. two, two schools that uh, you know obviously Texas Southern we lost to uh, after being up 2-0 after being up 2-0 that, that was also that, that was that midnight game yes that, that yep. was a midnight game exactly that's the game that we started. We played them on Saturday, and then we finished on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken, or or vice right. versa. Sunday, we Monday. Yeah, we started on Sunday and finished on Monday. So we we had a 2-0 lead on on Sunday, and then we ended up losing on Monday. Uh, so that's kind of how that rolled. Mm. Uh, but if we if we circle back, I'm looking at the swag stats, and it looks like Kylie Owens from Prairie View. She leads in kills, total number of kills, uh, the number of service aces, and total points for the SWAC. And Brooklyn Watts for FAMU is second in points, uh, second in kills. Yeah, they'll probably give it to the girl from Prairie View. And, oh, I'm sorry. Not just somebody else from Prairie View. So I'm thinking Kylie – Owens, I think she's. I would say she's the leader going into the clubhouse for the um, SWAC volleyball player of the year, with probably a close second by Brooklyn Watts. Yeah, Brooklyn may end up on the uh, first team. She may end up first team. Yeah, Yeah, just looking at the stats, if they just go off of that for points, uh, points, service, aces, and kills, she's number one in those three categories. That um yeah, she'll like young lady from Prayer View probably get player of the year. All right. Uh and then of course, uh going back to the tournament format there, then the championship game is set for four o'clock Eastern, three central on uh on ESPN. So uh, a great opportunity to to support uh support the uh the ladies Sunday at two. Sunday at two. Or a four actually. Four four. Yeah, it's uh it's three three central. Three. Oh, that's a three. Yeah, that's I a can't three. Hardly yeah. See it. You, you, okay. I can't hardly see it either. I only happened to look at it earlier. So yeah, it would have been nice if they'd have made it bigger, but it is what it is. So. But but favorable favor a very favorable bracket for our team. Oh, exactly. I'm, exactly. I am looking for us to be in that championship game for sure. Yeah, I would love to see the two Alabama schools have to face off in the semis on the other side of the bracket. And uh, at that point, you throw throw 
throw that one versus four seed stuff out the window because that's a, you know, Bulldogs and Hornets and who knows, uh, the Hornets could actually win. win the, hey, don't sleep on Jackson State as the three seed. I would not be surprised. They're a five seed. Are they the five? Okay, well, there it mm-hmm. goes. But I, I'm just saying, don't be surprised. I won't be surprised if Jackson State somehow finds their way into the championship game. That that That's my dark horse if it's not going to be Alabama State. I think Jackson State could find their way uh, into that uh, into winning that other side of the bracket. Now, Alabama A&M has been really hot. I mean, they they put a hurt. In, well, no, I think they beat us 3-2. And I was kind of surprised at that. But then looking back. We were up I 2-0 think- again. We were up 2-0 again on Alabama A&M and mm-hmm. then lost. Again, we had never lost a set to Alabama A&M prior to somehow losing three. I don't I, – that's what I, I would have loved to have talked to Coach uh, Gokhan and find out how in the – what did ha- what happened in that game against Alabama A&M? There, you know, we hadn't lost to them in forever, and then we just all of a sudden, you know, lost three straight. We just have games. Hey, we, we just have games. It happened to, to us uh, that last – I mean, the third set against Bethune. We have a we have we have a set where you know we make a lot of service errors and we make a lot of um, kill errors where we hitting the ball too far and so forth and it, they, they it seems to snowball and it takes us a a set to get back reset you know that's what I've seen but you know it's unusual because we've lost at least five games this year in five sets. And almost all of them we were up two two oh. In conference and non-conference. Yeah. I, yeah. Cause I think who was it? Citadel or somebody we lost. We played them twice for some reason. Once in a pre mm-hmm. in an early season tournament and another basically in South Carolina. We lost three two both of those because it seemed like early on in the season, you know, we were hovering around, we were below five hundred, but if it not for two or three uh, five-set losses, you know, we might have been at 500 just in our non-conference schedule mm-hmm. at some point in the season, like early on, like September. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Marcus, I want to I want to give us a, a few minutes here, maybe about five minutes or so. Oh, yeah. Just kind of put a, put a bow on these recruiting uh, nuggets. You uh, appreciate you kind of putting together – the graphics here on on all of the recruits. So uh, let's let's move through these by um, you got them by sport and name. So let's move through what we got here. Yes, this is softball. I could not find the second person that um, Coach Patterson mentioned last week that was offered. I didn't see anything out there, but this is the person we actually spoke about last week. A Braxton Battle from Grayson High School in suburban Atlanta. And those are her accolades. She made the all-region team for fall softball. So this is only updated through the fall season. Of course, with her graduating spring 2024, you know, we'll update certain pieces of it for her team record and any accolades she gets after the spring season. All right, moving over from the softball field to the volleyball court, we got a pair of uh, volleyball players. Yes, no, we, we had that great opportunity to meet Ms. Johnson Last week, her and her family, she's on the second slide of this. But while I was searching for that second volleyball recruit, I came across this name. I'm sorry, second softball uh, recruit. I was, found this second 
volleyball recruit, Tamir Coleman, out of uh, Palm Beach Central High School. And she actually plays basketball as well. So, And I didn't see any accolades for volleyball. And I, I did a quick search. But she made uh, second team. I'm sorry. She played. She was a captain for the Palm Beach Central last year in 22-23. And she made second team uh, basketball for the Palm Beach Post, an all-county team. And she goes about 6'2", 190, according to what I could find from her basketball. And the team made it through the district semifinals in Class 7A. But she's a volleyball recruit. She's a volleyball recruit. Okay. Interesting. I wonder if Coach Gordon knows about her. Uh, There, of course, is our good friend, Natalie Johnson, friend of the show who came on Mm -hmm. uh, last week, a legacy rattler. So good to see Natalie. Cool picture. Mm -hmm. For volleyball, yep. Uh And the next few will be all baseball. Some of these I think we covered last week. Justin Lopez did talk about last week. Mm -hmm. So he's, I guess it went to, I don't know if the TXL Academy, if TNXL Academy, if it's post-secondary or a high school specifically for for baseball, because I thought the last thing I saw from him was Lake Mineola. Uh, in 2023, but then it listed him as a junior in max preps. And then next thing you know, is it TNXL? So I don't know if it's like a finishing school or a post-secondary school, or if it was like a IMG Academy type for baseball, but he signed and you can see from the picture there. Uh, so we have an infielder, we have outfielder, Corey Fortson, uh, who's uh, the son of an alum. At least I know, I think I've seen the mom on social media. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the dad's an alum as well, but he's a big boy, 6'2", 220 outfielder from yeah. Westlake High School in Atlanta. And those working are there. On, working on trying to get an interview. He, uh, yes. our good um, uh, good friend, uh, uh, Bobby Swoop of the Swoop Report, is a uh, friend of the family. And so we, I told Bobby to work on trying to get Mr. Fortson, young Mr. Fortson, so we might get him on the show in another week or two, maybe, hopefully. Okay. So, Alfie, the majority of our signees are high school. I think we have one verbal commitment who's the JUCO so far. Uh, Trey Craft uh, for Umatilla High School. He signed Friday afternoon around 1.30. This is courtesy of the Umatilla High School Facebook page showing his signing. And he's a catcher. Once again, he's big. You know, his list yeah, is 6'3", 215 as a catcher. So I don't know if there's going to be too many people running him over at home plate. No, that's a big boy. That Hopefully he's got a good arm, too. Mm-hmm. 6'3", 215. Uh, uh, Joshua Bell out of West Orange High School is an infielder. Uh, goes 5'11", 185. And I think we again, mentioned him last week, too. We did. Okay. And we're seeing a lot of players, I guess, with the exception of – the exception of um, uh, Mr. Kraft, all of them seem to be – either the top level or one tier below of competition or classification in the state of Florida. Jay Campbell out of Leon High School going 5'11", 200 at third base. And we see they made the regional final. Garrett Workman, this signing just came through today. He verbally committed, I think, in August or September. But uh, his signing, literally, the pictures just came out today, and I was checking. All right, he's a pitcher. Uh, and for our North Florida Christian, you know, playing 
at the class 2A level, but he was all Democrat, the Tallahassee Democrat, all Big Ben first team baseball team. So I'm hoping, I'm expecting that means uh, he's got some talent and it was a perhaps maybe even a coup type signing for us. Yes. You always want to find out what his, uh, what his, uh, what's his fastball clocked at? You know, is it throwing, is it clocking in in the 90s? I have not checked his. I've not checked out his stats or his um, perfectgame.com profile. Okay, but I did see where he did make the the first team as a junior. He made um all Big Ben first team, and I don't know. I didn't check to see if he made all state, but once again, keeping some talent home. And he's a big guy for a pitcher, six two, two hundred. You know, sometimes we have we have varying sizes in our pitching staff, but he looks like he's got some some meat to him. All right, and then we got a uh, track athlete. Yes, uh, Ariana Ladson. And uh, we may have briefly mentioned her last week. Uh, but she's out of Maryland. And her, she actually transferred high school. She was out May, Mount Hebron in Ellicott City, Maryland. I'm not sure where that proximity is to Baltimore, the D.C. area. But she transferred to Woodlawn High School in Baltimore. But as you can see, her accolades before she transferred in this past track season in spring of 2023, she was the Washington Post Girls Outdoor Track and Field All Met First Team. Mm. She was voted Howard County Times slash Baltimore Sun uh, Indoor or Girls Indoor Track and Field Athlete of the Year. Yeah, wow! And she medaled uh, for the Maryland Public Schools Athletic Association. She was first place in Class Three A for the gold. Well, she won the gold for the three hundred meter. And the 200 meter, and she won the bronze for the long jump. Yep. Man, Coach G getting them, isn't he? Go ahead, yes. Coach G. Man, I, I love this. I, I Doesn't it warm your heart, guys? Like, you know, when you see these young these young kids signing and they, they got that FAMU gear on and you see the mm. tables made up and the family's got the flag, just the – man, it, it – Damn it! It, it tells. I don't know. It just kind of gives me chills. It, it mm-hmm. because you can feel like our program. You know, it feels like our program is just as valued as every other program that you, you that gets extra coverage from these recruiting sites. Like, you know what it, I'm saying? It, it's, it's, trend, cool. it, it's trending in the right direction, no doubt. It is, mm-hmm. man. So I, I appreciate, man. I, I love the fact you guys. You guys don't understand. I mean, hopefully you do. Hopefully you see it. Uh, Marcus puts a great deal of investment in 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 gathering this info, and so that's why I wanted to make sure we we show this and spotlight these young people and these future rattlers, um, because this is the kind of stuff we'll be talking about these folks <laughs> in two to three years. You know what I'm saying? When they when they first hit campus and and then they start doing their thing, you know. So. Uh, good work, Marcus, mm-hmm. man. Love this stuff. And yeah. in the chat, what I'm going to do, because I actually, uh, I think Woodlawn High School, they they taped her signing ceremony and put it on Instagram. I'll see if I can find that link. I have it in the pit, but I'll see if I can post it here. And it's like 10 minutes long, but there was a pretty resounding cheer because she didn't reveal it at the end. I think she already verbally committed because I saw an Instagram post, but when she zipped her coat down. There was a loud cheer, you know, when she said she's going to FAMU. So hopefully, you know, that speaks to our program and the reputation that we have and the effort that 
uh, coach is putting out there as it relates to track, but may also be leveraged in other things as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to see if I can find that Instagram. All right. Good stuff. Um, before we get into our bold predictions for the contest and uh, Kelvin, you want to let people know what, what can we tell people about our, our tailgate, our pre, our pre-show for Saturday down at the Florida Classic? Well, we're going to be, um, I, I think it's lot G now. It used to be lot L, but it's on the corner of uh, Carter and South Tampa. So um, right, right along the sidewalk there. Uh, we're going to broadcast live with uh, Piston Sounds, Mr. Leon Pitts. Uh, and, uh, so it would be some good music, some good food, and um, we're going to talk a little football. So, and it's my birthday. So I'm looking exactly. forward to it. Oh my goodness! I don't know how we. I don't know what. I don't know what kind of bottle I'm gonna. I'm gonna bring, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna find you. You send me. Send me a DM of something. I. I'll make sure we. So I don't know how. It's a long. I feel like this, Kelvin. It's a long walk from that lot to the uh, to the stadium. So I'm hoping I make it to the stadium. Put it like that. Especially if we. If we, we do, do need a golf do. cart. Yeah, we might need a golf cart. So if anybody has a golf cart and would like to be a part of our show and our tailgate, uh, we would love to have you come meet us at the spot and then golf cart us. <laughs> the, exactly. Golf cart us to the stadium because that's a long walk. And I mean, I don't know. Uh, that's, just, that's a long walk, especially if we do any kind of day drinking and celebration of Kelvin's birthday. That's going to be a long walk. So if you have a uh, golf cart, uh, hit us up. Twitter, DM us, you know, help 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 some brothers out. You know, we, we'd love to help and support, you know. And, you know, don't worry about the uh, food, food and drinks on me. I got you. Don't worry <laughs> about it. Hey, uh, one of the nuggets we got to mention here is uh, – a projected 2024 schedule. Uh, Coach Simmons kind of dropped some interesting nuggets. A lot of the schedules, if you go to, what's that site that does the schedule? FBS FBSschedules.com. Yeah, yeah. FBSschedules.com has sort of put together a lot of our schedules. We know what most of the non-conference looks like. The exact dates are slowly starting to trickle in. Okay, Um Next year and in 25, FCS schools can play 12 games because of the way the calendar falls. You can play 12 games. So here's an early look at our schedule with some open dates and dates we got to figure out. The SWAT schedule matrix is already out. It's not public, but it's out. So it's just a matter of whether teams are going to release that kind of information yet. Uh, for example, that's why FAMU was able to say that they were hosting homecoming when they were hosting it against who they're hosting it against. Mm-hmm. It's why Alabama State chose October 5th to have their homecoming against FAMU in Montgomery, Alabama. So we we found out that particular date. Uh, we knew the non-conference games. Obviously, the week zero game is August 24th against Norfolk State. We knew the August 31st date 
was in Tallahassee against South Carolina State. We knew September 7th was against Miami. Uh, we knew we are going to Troy, Alabama on September 21st. So that's five games right there, correct? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, the first four we've known for months because they were mostly out-of-conference contracts. So the, the big questions were the scheduling dates for the conference games. And so Alabama game. State – I'm sorry, the, yeah, the swag, uh, conference game. So th- I think that was last week when um, Alabama A&M announced when we would play them State. or maybe – Maybe a week and a half. I'm sorry, Alabama State. And then like a week and a half ago, maybe two weeks is when we said something about homecoming. Right. So we we announced that, hey, we're going to – so obviously we got two back-to-back weekends, which is interesting because usually we kind of try to have a bye before homecoming, but not so much this year. So that's going to be a crazy week where, you know, October and, – and, of course, this is unofficial. I'll say that, but Coach Simmons did – kind of put it out there in the 220 club that we're playing Southern the week before homecoming. Well, we knew homecoming was on November 2nd and guess what? Guess it was the week before Southern. We knew the Bayou. We knew the Florida classic was on that date listed there. Well, I don't think it's been released yet. We're kind of guessing just based on uh, being, having 14 weeks of Saturday, 14 Saturdays within the, the framework that may be off though i'm gonna tell you why that may be off you got to find out when thanksgiving is because if thanksgiving is the is that is after that it is i think it's like the 27th or 28th okay so then you're probably right then that that is the florida classic week yeah uh which is always before thanksgiving because the bayou is after so then that means We've got two open dates in November. We're just waiting to see. So what we've already done is we've half of the SWAC schedule is figured out. Okay. Mm-hmm. We do know that, um, let's see, uh, Mississippi Valley State comes to FAMU. Mm-hmm. We go to Jackson. We go to Jackson State. That's We go to key. Prairie View. We go to Prairie View. And A&M, Alabama A&M comes to and, us. And Alabama A&M comes to us. So now the question is, those four games, and that's what you see down there at the bottom, Jackson State, Valley, Prairie View, and A&M, um, you know. Where they get placed. And, Kelvin, correct me. I mean, not correct me, but when we have 14-week seasons, do we usually get two buys? Do we usually – or we still have the when, one? When you play week zero, yes. If you didn't have week zero, then you only get the one. Okay. So somehow, I mean, if we were to, you know, play schedule bingo, we'd have to figure out where we think the best guess for the buy is and for the other thing. Because I was, I was looking at it. It seems like we always seem to play Valley when we play them in Tallahassee. Excuse me, Tallahassee. At least the two times, at least the one time we have, it was in September. And I think for them, when we go there, it always seems in October. I don't know if it's always going to fall the same. But I was trying to figure out, you know, where our first buy and where Valley is going to fall, where Jackson State's going to fall. And Jackson State's the wild card because we typically play them the first game of the season. So there's no calendar. There's no guess, pattern. If I had to guess, I know Coach Simmons probably pushing for that seven, September 14th date as the first, first buy. buy. <laughs> I would agree. That's I would, too. I would push for that to be the buy especially mm-hmm. after playing Miami and thus playing three games in a row. 
I uh, that early in the season. I would I would push for that to be the buy. I would. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, my best guess, at least our first buyer would be the 14th. Then my next guess would be After on the 28th, uh, probably Valley. So we'd have a home game in between Troy and and Montgomery. So which two? Which I'm two sorry, between Troy games? and uh, which I'm sorry, two home games preview Valley and Alabama A&M. Valley and A&M. Okay, so that's that'll give us a total of five, right? Mm. Five home games. Potentially, yes, 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 yes. Now, here, let me drop a nugget out here. Uh, A good friend of mine, a reliable source, has told me that there is a there is work going on to potentially get one of those home games moved to a neutral site. Potentially, somebody wanting to come into offer and i'm not talking orange blossom classic so let me i know hey i know what they're referencing that was was one of the questions and i don't i don't know what you guys are are referencing we can talk about offline but that was one of the questions in the 220 qb club that led to the revelation of southern somebody asked what have you heard about ask coach simmons something about a game in jacksonville and uh, he was saying well it and I'm summarizing, and he can you know, and may correct me if I'm wrong, but in essence, it came out, he's like, well, we already know, you know, if they want to, if they're going to um, move a game, we've already got things scheduled out, he said. We've already got our non-conference kind of scheduled out through 229. I've only seen up through 2028 with UGA, I think. But he said up to 229, and the SWAC schedule is already decided for 2030. So if somebody's gonna move a game, they're gonna have to pay us. You know, we're not. Oh, he sure. said we're not doing it for a ham sandwich or anything sure. else. You got to pay for the whole show. And, and, and it's so, business. and with that, that's when he said. And I think someone yeah. else may have chimed in or followed up and said something about Alabama State scheduling us for homecoming. And he was like, "Well, you know, it's like this. You know, you try to schedule teams that, you know, you well, at least fam tries to schedule strategically." where we don't have teams that we know are going to already draw to have them as a, as a home game. We try to have teams that may be far flung and may not bring as many fans or have as an intense arrival because you want to have basically two homecoming like experiences with the true homecoming and Southern. It's like, yeah, we play Southern the week before homecoming, but Southern could have just easily been our homecoming, but we decided not to do that because we want to make sure we get a bang for the buck. So that's kind of highly secondhand revealed that the Southern game, but it was in the context of answering the question about, being scheduled for Bama State's homecoming and whether it was disrespectful and also the prospect of a non-conference game in Jacksonville. And he said, well, you know, if somebody's going to come, they have to come correct and really correct. I think there are only three schools that you would not schedule on homecoming. And I'm not saying that we we haven't because we have in the past. But if we're doing that whole strategic thing, as he says, I would not schedule Alabama State for homecoming. I would not schedule Southern for homecoming and I would not schedule Jackson state for homecoming because those are going to be draws regardless. And those are going to be big draw. Everybody else is open for fair game to come to homecoming. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Um, So that's how it came about in terms of revealing that Southern date. I mean, he wasn't pressed, but it just kind of, I guess, kind of rolled out the tongue. And I was, I'll say this about the whole Jacksonville thing. And I don't know if that's, 
I, I'll be honest. I don't know if that's the rumor or not. I just know somebody told my my source told me there was a game that might come off the might come off the ledger. Uh, and if it happened, looking at this schedule and looking at who's left, I would say I would want the Alabama A and M game if I'm the city of Jacksonville. You know, or go one step further. Would it be potentially the city of Mobile, Alabama coming to FAMU and saying, hey, FAMU, we'd like to, you know, offer you a whole lot of cash to bring your home game uh, against Alabama A&M to Mobile. Uh, We know Mobile has hosted Alabama A&M many times before. And, uh, you know, it's a straight shot across I-10 for us. And a straight shot down, what sixty five for them? I, I mm-hmm. think it makes sense. I think it not, you know. So, mm-hmm. okay, that's just that's just two cities that I would guess on. Again, me, I'm guessing. Yep, Kelvin. Okay, I'm I'm in, I'm on the right page. I'm going in the right direction there, Kelvin. Uh, I think we on we on the same page. There you go. So. Uh, yeah, so it'll be interesting to see. And then, of course, I, I think the second buy would come after homecoming November 9th. I would think you'd, you'd have a bye week November 9th. And if you're lucky, so I don't know what who we pencil in for. Say, if we assume the 28th of September, if that's going to be a home game and maybe Valley, just based on the last time we played them and Tallahassee, I think it was like late September. Say if we yeah. pencil in Valley there, who are we looking at for the 12th and the 19th? See, I'd rather have Valley on the 16th. I'd rather have Valley, Valley in November. Hmm. Uh, okay. I, so I who- got a feeling Jackson State would want us. See, the, the thing is, you would hate to try to have three road games in a row. That's the worry about, and I see what you're talking about, about trying to pencil in Valley in the 28th so that way you're not playing three road games. Right, I, I heard I heard some rumblings. I, I would think Jackson State is in one of those October slots on the road. I would, I think I would too. And if I were guessing, I would guess it'd be the uh, the the October twelfth because it it falls kind of in the middle of the month, and they don't have to use it as a homecoming game. Uh, and in that case, then you're talking about what does October 19th look like? That could be a candidate for the Alabama A&M game. Uh, yes, exactly. Exactly. And it would make sense if you moved it, if it did happen or, to move Or Fairview. Ooh, but that's three straight away games. That's three straight away games. See, I think you try to avoid three straight road games in three weeks. The conference now, decides we, that. I think the conference would try to avoid you having it, they would avoid they would try to have you avoid playing three in three weeks. Now, not necessarily three and four weeks, though. So that's where your buy comes in. Right. Yeah. Because we had that this year. We exactly. In, exactly. in October. I, in October. We had three straight I, I, road I games with a bye. I don't think they would do – I think we would fight that and just kind of be like, hey, we had no home games in October. 
And it's like, oh, you got I, – so I think we would fight to get two home games in October. So, yeah, now if we choose to give one of those home games away, that's on us, I guess, at that point, mm-hmm. you know. But, uh, yeah, interesting opportunity. So, again, that's kind of what the speculation is. Four teams for one, two, three, four, five, six games, six weeks, which would so basically two buys and four opponents. So, how would that look? <laughs> There's Mike. Yeah, Mike, that's not that's not happening. I don't think that would happen. It, it would make the most sense. I do agree. It would make the most sense because straight shot down 95 for them. But. And we've done it before. We have done it before. We have done it before. But I. But but you're Brad. This administration. (laughs) Yeah, this administration (laughs) wouldn't want that. I don't think this administration wants that. Not after all the fuss about playing it at home. She would take some. They, the, the administration would take some egg on their face for that one. Yeah, yeah. You know. And um, we've got a lot of road games early, so yeah. The the coach probably wouldn't be happy with that either. No, no, no. I don't think he would either. All right. Uh, let's talk uh, bold predictions and then ready to get out of here for this show. Um, Marcus. Uh, what kind of bold prediction do you have for for this uh, Florida Classic? I'm not sure. Something strange is going to happen. I mean, I know it's ambiguous, but in a game <laughs> like this, something weird always happens. Like, uh, I, w- I want to say, what was it? A, oh, was it when Leroy Van was there? When we had either two or three straight kick returns for a touchdown or something like that. There was one game where it was like back-to-back and maybe even back-to-back-to-back kickoff returns for TDs. I think it was three back, three kickoff returns. I think so. It was... Uh... So I'm not predicting that, but something weird that's unusual is going to happen in this game. I don't know what it is, and I, I, I can't even speculate. But That's um... not bold. Come on. Give, give me something bold. <laughs> uh, what, think out the box. What hasn't happened this year? We've had a kick return. I tell you, we I still have not had a punt return touchdown. I was going to say we have not had a punt return for a touchdown this year. We had kick return. Yeah, we could have a punt return touchdown uh, unless you were going to take that one. I guess that's the. But I mean, uh, I'm, I'm something more weird than that because we've seen. T- punt, I mean, like two back to back kickoff return or three back to back to back kickoff returns. Now that's weird in a classic game. So I don't know if that's going to happen again ever in life mm-hmm. but something like that like i don't know like the qb throwing the ball the wrong way or something like that oh lord bcu quarterback oh okay thank you <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, Jesus. so uh, all right i'm gonna just go i'm just saying all right back to back kickoff return touchdowns okay back to back kickoff return touchdowns uh kelvin you want to go last or you want me to go you go all right, you go in honor in honor of his last regular season game, his last Florida Classic. I'm gonna go with my quarterback. I'm gonna go with my guy. The last time I made a bold prediction with him, he came through for me. 
So I'm going to go deep in the woods with this one. 20-plus completions for Jeremy Musa. 350-plus passing yards. Not one. Not two. Not three. Four passing touchdowns. I got a feeling the receivers catch balls and all kinds of good stuff happens that maybe should have happened this past Saturday and other Saturdays. And it's just like it all comes together. So I'm going with the trifecta, Jeremy Musa, 20 plus completions, 350 plus passing yards, four, four passing touchdowns. That's bold. Beat that, Kelvin. What you got? <laughs> we said a lot of guys on the offensive side, especially um, BCU defense, and particularly Robinson is a is pretty pretty elite, but his secondary is pretty good. So I'm not going to touch the offense. Our offense versus their defense. Their 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 offense. The quarterback play is mediocre. They've had some sets running the ball. Our defense is not one that gives up a lot. I'm gonna say we don't we're gonna hold them under 250 yards total offense. Mm, okay. And let's go at least two turnovers and two sacks. At least. I think that's fair. At I least. think all that I, I don't think that's bold. I think that's very doable. I think that's very doable. Very I'm cool. going with what I know. <laughs> going with what I know. Okay. Uh, okay. So, again, uh, we want to thank uh, Brad Gillins for coming in and joining us earlier in the show. Um, just a simple reminder, again, for all of you, Friday, uh, November 17th uh, would be our brother Kofi's 53rd birthday. And so I'm asking all of you uh, who watch the show <clears throat> or love Kofi, and if you bought uh, a What Up Boy t-shirt, I'm going to ask you to wear that shirt on Friday. If you're in Atlanta, or I'm sorry, Orlando, wherever you're at. You may be in Atlanta. You may be in Tampa. You may be in D.C. Wherever you are, wear that shirt. Take a picture. Uh, wherever you are, uh, fangs up and uh, hit the hashtag, hashtag LLKofi. And that's what we're going to do on Friday. And then on Saturday, we're going to celebrate Kelvin Rozier's birthday. Uh, Kelvin, you want to tell the people how old you're going to be, or are we keeping that a secret? I mean, man, you don't you don't gave it away. Everybody know me and Kofi uh, one day apart. <laughs> oh, I like it. Story. Oh, I did. okay. Well, then there you go. So, <laughs> but 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 no, uh, I'm very proud. I'll be very proud. Fifty three. There you go. Amen. Amen. Uh, so we're going to celebrate. We're going to be at the tailgate spot. Uh, Pistons down on uh, South Tampa and what's the street? Carter. Right. Yes. Carter yes. Uh, near lot. GF. I don't know. Whatever they call it now. Yeah. But so be looking out for. Uh, an announcement about that. We'll probably kick that maybe about 11 o'clock-ish. You know, we're going to try to do the tailgate and the show and then give us enough time to kind of uh, soak it up again. 
anybody with a golf cart, we'd appreciate you, you know, giving us that extra ride up to the stadium because <laughs> that's the show. The show, uh, free drink and food for you. Uh, if you do that, we'll have a bottle and we're gonna have a toast to Kelvin on another birthday. So, uh, you come out and join us. Those of you who are fans of the show, uh, make sure you come out and join us. Uh, let's be ready to tailgate. Have a great time in, in the city, beautiful. Uh, lots of things to do. Uh, whether you're going to go to Universal, City Walk, Disney, uh, if you're going to the Battle of the Bands downtown, I mean, there's so much to do in this city. Uh, even just hanging out downtown, uh, be safe and, um, Wear orange or green with a lot of pride because uh, this is a great game and a big weekend for uh, for Rattler Nation. And we can get our 10th win, which I think I heard is the first time since 98. First time since yep. 98, I think. Well, Gerald thing. said, Gerald said first time since 99, 99 because of, because of the playoff wins. But for regular season, right. 10 wins season, 98 is the correct seed year. Okay. Okay. Well, still a long time. I I was just finishing up then. Wow. That seems like forever, but 98, 99, that's a long time ago. Uh, that's kind of why we got started doing this black college sports network thing because of those teams back then. So, um, I would love for this team to get their 10th and love for it to happen at the Florida classic and uh, one last regular season game before we get the SWAC championship on December 2nd. So let's have fun and watch how it all uh, breaks out. Uh, Thanks to everybody for watching. Hit the thumbs up or the like button wherever you are. And uh, make sure to share the show. Uh, You can find us, of course, on the Black College Sports Network. You can find us on our own YouTube page at ONG Strike Zone. You can download the podcast later on the BCSN Pod Zone. Everywhere you listen to podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple, Google Podcast. Uh, download, rate, review, subscribe, all that good stuff. Fangs up, Rattler Nation. Make sure to be nice to those those kitty cats. They're going through a tough time. Meow, meow, kitty cat, meow. <laughs> meow, kitty cat. Don't be too mean, kitty cat. And, you know, we scoot, scoot, scoot them on their way. Uh, give them a little bowl of milk and say, have a good day, kitty cat. All right, that's going to be it <laughs> for Marcus. And uh, Kelvin, I'm Brian Fulford. Things up, Rattler Nation. Strike, strike, and strike even harder at the rest of them folks that you see out there on those mean streets, especially on the internet. Don't let them get to you because uh, we are the champions of the East, soon to be the SWAT and the nation. I just had to say it. All right. Peace out, everybody.